Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast Feed, and this particular episode of the Four Center Podcast Feed is the Mandalorian Report. Yes, yes, yes. No, no, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I have to be I like, like it. I like indecisive Team Grogu there. He's not sure what, what, what he wants. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. No, no, no. Curious, curious. Uh, hmm? 
Mm-hmm. A few more buttons on that would be great if it ever gets rebuilt. One of the many things we can talk about. Is that it for the uh, IG-12 talking board for Din Grogu? We will find out. We are excited to be here. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. The person saying yes, yes, no, no, no is, as we're recording, a birthday fellow, Ken Namsock. How's your birthday going, Ken? Uh, it's full of work, and that is kind of how it's always been for me. It's good. It's just one, you know... I don't know about you, Joseph. I'm not one of those people that uh, the older you get, I get more grumpy about birthdays. I actually appreciate them more. I appreciate the people around me trying to do something this weekend with with people close to me. But uh, there's also this like, hey, you know, you get up, head down, put your sweatpants on and get to work. And it's okay for me, too. So um, I have definitely had sweatpants birthdays. I also like the excuse uh, to (laughs) do Mm -hmm. something I like. So I hope that you're going to enjoy doing this uh, and have a good sweatpants birthday. Yes. Yeah, this is an exciting episode to talk about. I think there is so much to discuss about Chapter 24, The Return. But before we dive in, we do want to do a quick plug. We have been letting people know that we're putting more effort into our Patreon. Uh, We have been reaping the rewards of that. A lot more people joining the community want to just quickly mention some of the things going on on our Patreon. Uh, One of the big things is everybody gets access to the Discord. So if you want a place to discuss Star Wars that is safe, that you can disagree, but everybody will be friendly and polite about the discussion about what they like and what they don't like and why and celebratory and uh, investigatory at the same Mm -hmm. time, check out uh, the Discord on our Patreon. We also have a couple specific things coming up. Our uh, Indiana Jones and the Perilous Podcasts, That is rolling on in our next episode. Our discussion of Raiders of the Lost Ark will be out on Monday, May 1st, exclusive to Patreons for the next couple of months. To Patreons, to patrons, exclusive to patrons (laughs) for the next couple of months. And this Friday, uh, we are doing a live stream for patrons only. We are ranking our favorite scenes of the sequel trilogy. That is happening this Friday, April 21st at 4 p.m. Pacific. We are very close to a big goal in which Jennifer Landa will do a new YouTube series. That's kind of NPR meets Star Wars, looking into some interesting things about Star Wars. If you're interested in any of that, check it out at patreon.com slash four center. Any other thoughts on that, Ken? Well, first of all, thank you for doing the heavy lift on the promo there and a, and a bang up job. I, I, I understand the, the sliding S's on words too sometimes when uh, you're rolling. Um, no, great stuff. And one thing, I'll, you know, I'm very excited. The Indiana Jones series is just great. And we're going to get to our second episode. I thought I, we're recording it soon and it's Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I had this thought this week. I was like, ah, oh, crap. I got to watch Raiders this weekend. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. I get to watch Raiders this weekend for work. Wow. That's amazing. So excited to do that. Also, um, a while ago, uh, Joseph and I recorded a kind of a one shot episode of uh, kind of our thoughts on, you know, why we love and celebrate Star Wars and what it means to us. And that episode's up there for all of you too. And uh, I want to highlight that as well. If you haven't had a chance to listen to it, it's one of the one of my most favorite things we recorded uh, here at Force Center. So it's up there as well. Awesome. Yes, thank you. Uh, thank you for sharing those details. And thank you all for joining us, patrons. Or if you'd like to be called Patreons, we can do that too. We'll, <laughs> we'll throw up a poll. Anyway, let's get into this discussion of The Mandalorian. We are talking about the final episode of Season 3. It is Chapter 24, The Return, written by John Favreau, directed by Rick Famuyiwa, about 35 minutes of 
action-packed storytelling. We always talk about our prep, how we actually uh, experienced viewing it for the first time. I think it uh, really affects how we watch things, the the mood we're in, the space we're in, the people we're with, the action figures we're with. Uh, and we also always want to center the fact that we like to do deep dive analysis, but we're also just fans, always fans. So, Ken, how did you watch this episode? I did watch it at midnight. Well, about 11.50 my time. They snuck it up there early as always. But I, it was a struggle to get there. Uh, still adjusting from travel, some sickness, and, uh, you know, just not back to normal. And I had to um, really look at the clock and be like, dig in and I'm going to do it. I did it by a little, uh, I was going to do like, I was even going to do like a live stream. Like, let me do a live stream, like a countdown to the finale. I bet a lot of people will tune in. That'd be fun. Put it on my YouTube channel, maybe play some Fortnite while I do it. And I just was like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I quietly played Fortnite by myself and our, our, our pal Ken Plume. And then it was time to watch the show. And I made it. And I made it. And I, once it hit, the music hit, I was excited and happy to get there. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm with you. It was, uh, I am uh, physically and emotionally rough around the edges after the mm -hmm. absolute wonder of our trip to the UK and Star Wars celebration. Uh, but I really wanted to enjoy this. So I took, I would say, three naps throughout the day. Uh, Two of them, you know, physical and one of them like mental, like uh, almost meditation. <laughs> like, All right. Center yourself because uh, I wanted to have a really great midnight experience. Uh, and I did. I napped until about 1130. I got up and uh, I've really been enjoying this season uh, of Mandalorian, having some different perspectives on some of the Mandalorians. So I've been uh, picking up more action figures uh so i decided to just spread out as many of my mandalorian and mandalorian related action figures as would fit i had a whiskey uh i am also missing the uh kind of pub beer from mm -hmm. the uk so i bought uh, a four pack of boddingtons so i had boddingtons jameson <laughs> and about 18 action figures all ready to enjoy this and uh and it was the right mindset to be in it was really the right mindset for this kind of uh fist pumping episode yeah, indeed. Good stuff. So let's dive into our overall reactions. Uh, love it, like it, struggle with it. And uh, Ken, I'm going to, I, I want to try this. Okay. There's a lot to discuss in our overall reaction about what was there, what we responded to in terms of what the episode actually was, but then also our reactions to what wasn't there, what there might have been a, a various buildup to expect either from ourselves or from the chatter on social media for our overall reaction. Let's start with how we reacted to what was there, what mm -hmm. was in the episode, and then we'll also talk about our reaction to what wasn't there. Does that work for you? Absolutely works for me. I think that's a good way to start the conversation. For me, my overall reaction was, I don't know, I mean, I was satisfied. Satisfied because it brought home all the things it set out to do this season and in this series so far. Uh, I know there's talk of this felt like a series finale versus a season finale, and that's actually very fair, but I think we're this chapter of all these characters' lives is closed and we're on to other things. And and this season was about the return of Mandalore and no more, a little bit more, but no more, no less. And, and it was about how this can happen. Why does it need to happen and what will it take? And I think it never strayed from that. It also never strayed from me. It never strayed from Moff Gideon's desire to have Mandalore for himself, to take it from them, to use it all for his own game and his own gain. The clones or him, that big reveal was worked for me because he is the idea of self. Mm -hmm. he, is, he is self personified. And we're going to get into that. And it, I think that's one of those real direct themes. It's a point at the screen and go, yep, that's what's going on. And it's all for him. And so for me, that worked. It satisfied also the long arc of it brought home the lone wolf meeting cub story that we 
began with and, and took it to a nice emotional spot for me. It, it did what it set out to do. And also for what it's worth, Joseph, it was a happy, happy ending to the story. Uh, rest in peace, pause Vizsla last week, but otherwise everyone <laughs> kind of got to be happy. And I think I'm okay with that. And I think we need that from time to time. We need Ewoks to dance every now and then in our lives. And that's what, uh, that's what it did for me. Yeah, I'm really with you. The The first uh, words that came to my mind when I watched the first episode and then I tapped my little notes uh, sitting on my couch with my action figures and my, my Boddingtons, <laughs> mm. and the first two words that came to mind was explosive and direct. Uh, this, for me, was like a direct third act Star Wars finale. All of the pieces had been put into place it was about the spectacle. It was about the action. It was about the characters pushing themselves to accomplish the things that they set out to do that they believed in. It is uh, Ewoks uh, dancing. Um, it, it is Boss Nass <laughs> yelling yeah. peace uh, with an orb. That, to me, was the the point of this episode. This was an episode about, about bringing it all home. Um, Mm-hmm. And that really worked for me. I, I, I whooped and fist pumped at the very beginning of you with me, you know, affirmative nod mm-hmm. from Grogu into the credits. All right, let's do this thing. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I was really thrilled by the fact that this was something that uh, I dreamt of and many episodes have been like it, but this one really went uh, above and beyond. This was a full Clone Wars episode in live action. I, oh. I have spoken many times about watching the Clone Wars and uh, powering through it uh, on Netflix because I didn't watch it when it was broadcast and being more and more amazed as time went by. And by the time Darth Maul was fighting pre Vizsla with the Darksaber, my jaw was just on the floor. And now that mood, that energy, that scale is here in, in live action, mm-hmm. which is an accomplishment. When you compare this finale to season one, finale of the Mandalorian which I enjoy uh but I enjoy on a the ideas level the performance level but I just rewatched that like they they couldn't afford enough troops for mm-hmm. me to feel like IG-11 sacrifice was <laughs> mm-hmm. was truly necessary like I accept that that's what the characters are saying and that's what the intent is and I like the emotion behind it but then there's a part of me is like they're there's like 10 guys. <laughs> I know, I know they have a strategic advantage at the mouth of the cave, but like you, 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 you can take them, right? Cause they couldn't even afford to populate it, you know, digitally with, you know, yeah. 80 troops. Um, mm-hmm. The contrast between that and hundreds of commandos and mandos flying at each other and having rocket fights, like, mm-hmm. I don't want to uh, lose the joy of this live action spectacle and the scale of it. And, and that part of it is important to me. Yeah, no, I, I think it's fair to look, look back at the season one finale and go, you know, the big ship was uh, Gideon's, uh, you know, tied Vance, uh, you know, tie, tie ship's landing. And here Ty we Outlander, have, I believe. Outlander, thank you. Um, 
in this one, we got a capital ship crashing into Mandalore. You know, like <laughs> it's just uh, the scale is is bigger, and, and and that comes with the show growing, with the story growing, and uh, not just the the budget, which is a reality, but the skill set of those making that magic on screen of, of knowing what they can do with the tech and and going, okay, well, ooh, you want to do that? You want to crash a ship into Mandalore? Yeah, how can we pull that off? And that's part of the the spirit of Star Wars as, as well. And and I, I I do think it's right to acknowledge that and celebrate that. Yeah, and, and it, it's always been a heart uh, of Star Wars. It's not like, hey, yeah, we kind of we have to throw some action, and it's been a part of the point of the the pulp adventure thrill in this episode. So delivered on that uh, element of things, and then uh, thematically and emotionally, like you're talking about, it, it was just very direct. And mm-hmm. I was, I I was like eighty percent expecting this exactly what we got, which is that in general. Favreau's writing, I would say, in Book of Boba Fett and this season of The Mandalorian, across both seasons of Mandalorian, but but increasingly so, it is very sincere and direct. Uh, mm-hmm. There is subtext sometimes, but often the characters say exactly what they mean. They don't believe in this. Then something happens and they change and they say, I accept this now. And so I'm going to act on it. And then they do. Uh, and, and this uh, this finale was very sincere and very direct in mm-hmm. its themes and in what the characters believed in. And it, it didn't feel to me like a series finale. I understand how other people would feel that way. It absolutely mm-hmm. felt like a great season finale because it, it made all the threads in this season feel whole. That mm-hmm. this season was not, it didn't become Bo-Katan's show. It became an ensemble show. And there were episodes where Din and Grogu were the focus. And there were episodes where uh, where Din and Grogu were maybe a little bit in the background as it became Bo-Katan's show. Or an episode where it became the New Republic mm-hmm. and the Baby First Order's show in chapter, the mm-hmm. third episode of the season, The Convert. Uh, in this episode brought everything in the season and the first three, three, the first two seasons together. Gideon's plan, uh, Mando and the New Republic, the Mythosaur, Navarro needs a marshal. Uh, yeah. All of these great ideas that are from the whole show, but also from season three, really came together. But it also felt to me like a a, a really great reset where the characters sort of accomplished what they needed to do for this chapter of their journey, and they're all turned and looking toward the future which if it's a movie it's cool it's like the end of a new hope and you can go they had a parade and it's over (laughs) right yeah yeah yeah. but it felt much more to me like okay great um this was a beautiful end of this part of din's journey din and grogu's din and din grogu's journey uh but it's also the setup for uh, din is the ranger of the new republic Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, people kept asking what what happened to that show like well there we go. Uh, yeah. Din Djarin and Din Grogu are the rangers <laughs> of the New Republic. Mandalore is back. A resurgent Mandalore is born. Yeah. But how are they going to interact with the rest of the galaxy? Are they going to join the New Republic? Um, mm-hmm. I don't think the show did a lot to stir up the tension, but the tension to me is implicit of they came together to get their home back. Are they going to be able to stay together and grow those plants? So I do feel like there was a great sense of conclusion, resolution, but a lot to look forward to in the future. And in particular, since we know that there's more storytelling going on in this era and about this era, 
that it felt like this wonderful, positive, forward-looking ending. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Uh, uh, yeah, there's a lot of shots that are reminiscent of endings, and there are definitely endings here, but I, I think there's several points where explicitly it is stated, further adventures to be had. Uh, mm-hmm. So we haven't, uh, I, I, I think season four seems to be a foregone conclusion. And there's a lot of that. I'd like to have this go on forever kind of talk from Favreau and everyone there, but I don't know any official word on that. And um, if we're going to get Mandalor- Mandalorian season four, or, you know, like you said, uh, the, the new version of the Rangers new Republic, I'd like to call it Carson's heroes, but um, <laughs> that's another uh, pitch idea there. So, um, but I'm with you on that. But, but yeah, there's some emotional wrap up and, and that counts because we've been on this journey for three count kind of book of Boba Fett, four years. Yeah. Yeah. It, it feels like a phase of their lives of the mm-hmm. Mandalorians and of Din and Grogu's lives are, are wrapped up. But Favreau's talked explicitly about having already written Mandalorian season four. So yeah. I think it invites great, uh, unless suddenly Bob Iger's like, mm, uh, Mandalorian season four is already written. And I would imagine in pre-production, yeah. So forward looking final thing for me about kind of what was there is I saw some other people kind of tweeting about it feeling like classic Star Wars. Uh, and and it did to me because it was about the action. There was a moment where a thing we talked about a lot at the beginning of The Mandalorian, that this is written by people who grew up with the original trilogy and grew up playing with action figures who in the original trilogy were characters who were seen on the screen for a split second, but they fired your imagination. And Mm -hmm. Favreau has said in quotes, like what if, what if you didn't have any of the main characters? That's, that's the pitch of this show. Uh, You you dump out your, your toys and you don't have Han, you don't have Luke, you don't have Leia, you don't have Vader, you don't have Kenobi. You got a couple bounty hunters and droids and an Ugnaught. What what are you going to do with that? And, I felt the spirit of that at, at that moment when there's like, okay, and these characters are now their own unique characters, but from the perspective of the original trilogy era and action figures, like I got a Boba Fett, I got an IG-88, I stuck a Yoda inside IG-88, they're working with uh, R5-D4 and they're going to fight a bunch of stormtroopers that I'm imagining have jetpacks. Like, yeah, had that sense of imagination and that sense of play and the ending being both explosive with all the cool action in, in loving action for action's sake, but ending on that beautiful, peaceful scene of their mm. new home, waiting to go off on another adventure. It, it was a balm. It, mm. I, it, 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 it's been a stressful couple days, and, and this was one of those Star Wars is there for me moments. It, it was mm. really joyful. There was a, a nice audible exhale at that final shot. Yeah. <sighs> My friend, yeah. my first thought was, call up Omira, see what she's doing. Invite her over. Come on. There, it, it was so the picture of uh, of Sanctuary, Chapter 4 Sanctuary, and we can talk about that more. But it really was like, was, was Din going through his uh, mental Rolodex there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that. I like yeah. that. Would Omira want to come over? Would, would Bo want to come over? Who knows? Who knows? Uh all right, so we talked about our overall reaction to what was there, uh, but I think this is one of those episodes where people had uh, built up a lot of different ex- uh, expectations, I think uh, us included, when it comes to the armor. So how did you respond to what wasn't there? The first viewing is always going to be a little bit of like a, huh, okay, uh, they did this, they didn't do that, and I think that's fair, and I think that's part of the process. 
I can get a little grumpy around this now longstanding issue. I think fandoms in general have with, with conclusions of any kind, seasons, series, episodes, even. Uh, I, 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 I keep saying this. I wish a person smarter than me commissioned some sort of study on our psychological uh, attachment to the journey and and getting to the end and and feeling as though it's a letdown. It, it just seems to be this natural thing that happens and it, it's how you process it there. It doesn't mean there wasn't things left on the table. I think this show did leave some things on the table. Uh, I, I'm looking at, at, at this show, The Mandalorian is, it, it has become increasingly aware of the larger Star Wars story of this era, the New Republic era. The show went from small corner, almost intentionally disconnected from that to now being a part of it. So it's aware of it, but it's not yet about the larger Star Wars story in this era. It will be. We're moving towards that, not in a necessarily Avengers connected universe kind of way, but just as Din becomes who he is more supposed to be and is more out in the galaxy and is now fighting for the new Republic, so to speak. Like he's now more aware because he wasn't aware. And a lot of that might be related to how he was raised, but also how he was choosing to live at that point. So to expect all those answers, and I, I, I don't say expecting some tattletale or, or, or wiggling my finger at you kind of way, you should have expectations. We always say it's part of the fun, but I, I, I think, and I'll get into some specifics, but, but there, there are a lot of deeper questions this this season seemed to not answer. Mm-hmm. And that led to a little bit of my slight emotional letdown on the first viewing. But I ask you all, and I ask myself, did the show ask those questions or did I? Mm. And I really like your point about Favreau's writing. Um, it, 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 I, I always come up with some dumb analogy to like music or wrestling or something. But for me, it's like, I just last year, year and a half ago, time flies, went to a wonderful Rolling Stones concert at SoFi. One of the all time great bands. You get what you get from them. This is a song about can you can't get satisfaction. Enjoy it. It's not a Pink Floyd eight minute, you know, let's mull over the corner of emotion that we're all de- dealing with. It's not Mozart, right? It's a pop song. And this is this is a rock radio song for me, this whole show. And and I don't think that's doesn't mean you can't get emotions from it. Like you and I defending the idea of playing with your action figures. Why, especially why as a fandom is that looked down upon sometimes? Mm-hmm. And, and that's exactly what happens a lot. I have friends look down upon it. Oh, it's just playing with your action figures. Uh-huh. You and I talked about chapter two of this um, season. Uh, I forget the overall number now. Uh, of Bo-Katan being that. <sighs> None of this means anything. It's what mm-hmm. forms us. And so this show's dealing with that. So I specifically have some questions about the armor. Uh, I would love to have that insight into her. I'd love to her have her sit down with Bo-Katan and have a conversation similar to Andor and Nemec. But Favreau's not painting in that style. So it's mm. not fair to ask the show or expect the show to, to do that. So to your point, the, I had, I had that, that thought to myself as I want to know more about the armor. I didn't trust her. I didn't like a lot of the things she did. But now... I have to realize I have to go back and go, that was the moment she went, you know what? I'm changing Mm -hmm. and I'm committing and confirming this change in me and I'm not wavering from it. In fact, I'm taking my hammer out and I'm whapping people upside the head with it because that's how I'm changed. And that's what the show has done from the beginning. It is a, I used to, you know, joke about it wrote what it wrote. It said what it said. It, It is all there on the page and all there on the screen. And I understand feeling a little let down, but you know, again, uh, I, I think Bad Batch 
is my favorite show right now, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to rank things. I think Bad Batch <laughs> is a thing. Um, and I think there's a different kind of character development and a different kind of character confirmation. We, You and I keep talking. Uh, sorry, then I'll pass the hammer back. But like, <laughs> Din is not spinning his, his wheels. Din has made decisions and is living in them. And so it sometimes might feel like he's not moving forward or growing or that he's, he's made decisions. And these are the, the results of those decisions. So I stand by this episode for that. Yes. There's some things I felt, you know, we, we could ask about, like, you know, even some of the stuff at the end with Carson Teva, Gideon didn't get to trial. Did anyone care about that? Did anyone know about that? Yeah. I could live <laughs> in that negative space for a little bit or even him going, you know, all right, well, it's against regulations, but I'll take care of like, what's going on in the new Republic. Does Leia know any of this? Like, I have those questions. It's fun. And I can't wait to explore that a little bit more. But I don't think this show ever told you we're going to sit down and spend 22 minutes on the armorer's mindset. And therefore, I walk away satisfied. Yeah, no, I I agree with that. I think, you know, you and I speculated hard about the armor. And almost uh, every episode of our uh, (laughs) our report, we'd be like, but there... There are dark tones, aren't there? There's what, what's 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 she thinking under that helmet? She can't like that. She doesn't like that. And I think for myself, <laughs> yeah, they did a great job of building up the armor as rigid and unyielding. Uh, we talked about this extensively on a Questions of the Force episode of really breaking down what about the Children of the Watch and the way the armor runs it is from our moral perspective, negative, uh, yeah. you know, excluding Din from knowledge, just not, not giving him the option of knowing what other Mandalorians believe, not knowing the history, not teaching him, uh, about Jedi really being, uh, restrictive, being rigid, being a, um, that idea of he took his helmet off to make a connection to a loved one. And he is punished for that. That is a very, if the armor is a mother figure, it is extremely cold, uh, uncon or, or uh, not unconditional love, conditional love. Uh, that it is a culture that encourages the children of the watch, encourages constant battle of mm-hmm. uh, of emphasizing uh, dominance and fighting. All all this long list and had even more <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a part of me that is like, yeah, I think I think that this show put a lot of interesting things on the table. And there's a part of me that's like, yes, I would I would still like those things dug yeah. into a little bit more. And maybe in a season four, the armor is trying to bend, but Bo-Katan wants to do things a certain way. And everybody, all the Mandalorians are trying to work together, but the the different perspectives especially as they maybe get even more scattered, shattered tribes, uh, more splinters of the Death Watch, maybe there is more of a battle of not slipping into the old Civil War ways for all the Mandalorians. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe uh, Bo-Katan wants to put up a, a, sat- a statue of uh, Satine, and that's a bridge too far for yeah. Yeah. the armor. Who knows? Maybe that reckoning will come, maybe it won't, but I have to accept, okay, there were interesting things put on the the table mm. but the show was what it said on the tin the armor was shown to be pretty rigid and she 
several episodes went by where she saw things in a different way. She saw that Din's perspective and Bo-Katan's perspective was working. She saw the power of their leadership, encouraging Mandalorians to be heroes, uh, to step out of the light and to be there for other people. She saw the that Bo-Katan had a kind of leadership to offer that she, the armor, didn't in that moment and encouraged it. Mm-hmm. All these things she did sincerely. And I don't want to be so caught up in the story that I want to hear that I don't accept the story that I saw. So I, I feel I feel comfortable saying I'm interested in those ideas of the armor. Mm-hmm. I, I would still like them to be explored, but I want to enjoy the story and engage with the story that I was presented with. And that story, going back, is the armor made a change mm-hmm. and acted on it. And it was inspired by Din and inspired by Bo-Katan and it benefited her people. And that's the story. And that has value. It's almost as if Bo-Katan was standing on the shores of Dinosaur Lake Cave Island and went, this ain't working. (laughs) We keep losing foundlings and we're not doing good and we're in the shadows. Oh, this way seems to be, uh, we have our way, they have ours, we can work together. It's almost like some lessons were learned. But I'm with you. Uh, you know, I'd love to have, uh, you know, a one-shot, uh, you know, Emily Swallow stage play of Inside the Armor's Soul. Like, I'd love to know why. And and I think there's some, some. I th- I think there it's so real world, maybe some of the stuff you can pull it out. And we pull real world stuff out. There's some stuff I'm going to pull out in this episode that affects my week, um, not only my life, specifically my week, but, but you know, there's a lot of stuff going on with, with the children we watch and, and cults and, and, and uh, religious trauma and those kind of things. And I think a lot of people connected with that in the way of, mm-hmm. ooh, this hurt me. It's got to be hurting Dan and I want it dealt with. And I think that's fair stuff. I, I, I think it's fair, but to be blunt, I just, it, you know, uh, the show it needs to do what it needs to do. It does not need to reach into your life and and, and deal with it right now. That's a, another conversation and maybe another type of show. And I, I don't know. I don't mean that to sound blunt um, because we're all dealing with some things. But we can connect with it so powerfully. But the show can only be a, a, responsible for that to a point for me, for my money. Yeah. And I understand if people just say that it's not for me, you raised the idea that Din was in a restrictive, rigid cult. Yes. Yes. The show never said cult. It was another character's perspective. That was cult Mm -hmm. that said cult, Uh, you know, Bo-Katan, Axe Woes, Cosca Reeves said, said cult. The show didn't say cult. Fair enough. But I also can say, can see somebody going, I've had really bad experiences being trapped in in restrictive authoritarian mm-hmm. uh, groups and yep. being told that, that this is the way period is upsetting. The show put it out there and the show didn't deal with it. And therefore I'm not going to enjoy the show as much. I have mm-hmm. the utmost respect for that, but I also feel like the show put out some examples of rigidity, some examples of, in my opinion, poor parenting, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. not, tell din about his history in the galaxy but the show went out of its way this season to say the parts of the way that din believes in are honor loyalty character defending and and training the next generation at, at all costs that the point of the way is to keep mandalorians together to keep them safe to be stronger together and even if there there are parts of the way that I still feel like you dangled it out there that I was nasty, maybe mm-hmm. deal with it. 
I also want to reckon with the fact that the majority of season three is showing us that Din is constantly, he keeps having conversations with the armor where she says, this is the way. And then he goes, well, actually, there's this other part of the creed that says X. And she goes, that is the way too. Yeah. <laughs> Which turns it into less rigid, turns it into a conversation even the end there with, with Grogu, which becoming mm-hmm. Din Grogu, mm-hmm. we can talk about. But I, I have to reckon with the fact that this season does show Din in Bo-Katan constantly making arguments for the, the way and the creed being uh, powerful, in, in my opinion, morally good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let's work together. Let's look out for one another. Let's look out for the young. Let's train the young so they are ready. Let's not give up on on things. Let's have the bravery to to put our heads back out in the light. Uh, let's rebuild all these great uh, ideas. That that is what the way is this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I we'll talk more about the end, but I I think there's a great amount of um, agency and choice in the armor's reaction to to Din's desires. You know, um, mm-hmm. and I think that's there. And I, yeah, so again. That was one of my big things. Is I I I love the character of the armor, uh, but in that way of what are you doing? And and I think we got to see what she did, and she changed, and and that's where we're at right now. So we'll see more. But anyways, uh, more conversations to have, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I do want to touch on the whole uh, the spies thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I for me, I, I I do think it is in the general camp of uh, of speculate responsibly. Uh, don't mean to say that to try to sell our T-shirts. Uh, the speculate responsibly thing came out of uh, the reaction to The Last Jedi, where, mm-hmm. where I think so many of us in the fan community got focused on answers. What was Luke's first word going to be? Uh, who exactly are Ray's parents? They, I, on and on. Of, of we were we were interested in the in the guessing game. Like the entire value of the narrative was a murder mystery. Um, maybe not everybody feels that way. That that's how I felt, and I think that's how. Uh, and it made it hard to engage uh, for for some people with the story that was presented to them. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing going back to the original trilogy's generation's reaction to the prequels. We had a laundry list of things we expected to see. We didn't see them or saw different things. And it took many of us years to engage with the story that was actually there, which is my personal experience where I, I feel strongly about this. And I, I felt like this week was maybe one of those uh, times where uh, some of us got ahead of ourselves with the spies guessing game. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Um and when when we recorded our episode uh, about Chapter 23, entitled The Spies, we had some fun guessing, like, could the armor be a spy? Man, maybe Axe Wolves. That would be interesting. Because, I was all in on Axe. Yeah, and I was I was interested in, in Axe because he had been presented as a Mandalorian who was up for selling his honor up to a point. He tried to make a big, in the Guns for Hire episode, he tried to make a big, a big point about the, the kind of things he would and wouldn't do. And actually this, what he was doing was honorable, but then there was that snide line from Costco Reeves about, yeah, I thought Mandalorians were honorable and like they are for a price. So I thought there was an interesting question to be had about what makes you a Mandalorian is, is Axe Wolves going to be somebody who, who failed to live up to what Din, Bo-Katan, Armor, Grogu, etc., are living up to. So I thought that, I thought it was uh, perfectly fun to speculate. I have to, 
uh, to be honest that when we recorded the episode, uh, I had not yet been on the internet and, and saw how much that sections of the fandom had turned this final episode into an elaborate guessing game about who the spy is. Right. Right. Um, and then, you know, many people uh, uh, tweeted, some people tweeted at us that uh, the spies has a, a pretty direct uh, biblical reference that really makes a lot of sense of the episode uh the spies obviously there's the literal Cain is a spy that shadow council you could look at as a group of of spies mm-hmm. uh secretly infiltrating uh, the new republic uh but i am not a biblical expert ken so i pulled this quote from wikipedia not wikipedia Wikipedia, yeah. which says uh, the 12 spies, as recorded in the Book of Numbers, were a group of Israeli chieftains, one each fr- uh, one from each of the 12 tribes who were dispatched by Moses to scout out the land of Canaan for 40 days as a future home for the Israelite people uh, during the time when the Israelites were in the wilderness following their exodus from ancient Egypt. The account is found in uh, it's found in the Bible, everybody, <laughs> uh, in places. Book of uh, Numbers and Deut- Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy and Numbers 13. Um, anyway, uh, I'm not a, not a biblical expert. I went to a Catholic grade school first through third grade and didn't get this deep. Uh, anyway, mm-hmm. point being trying to have a little sense of humor about it, but point being, uh, just like things like the title, the book of Boba Fett, meaning not Boba Fett's, you know, got, got a hardback book, but that <laughs> this is a story of the character of who, this is the summation of who is yeah. this man. Uh, just like that, the spies seems like a pretty good, good bet that that's referencing, you know, the three different tribes of Mandalorians who were dispatched yeah. to their home to their, their once home to, to find a, a new safe future home yeah uh, how do you feel about that uh it's i think 100 percent there the israelites going back to to canaan the, the promised land uh the, the spies being sent out yeah it's almost uh uh I'm, I'm surprised i missed it even haven't spent a little more time studying this back in my youth um and i'm sure favreau did as well and it's you, you definitely again whether you agree with it or not or you love that or you, you i get it but Favreau is probably writing the story and it's like, oh, it's like the Israelites returning home. I get it. Let me do this. Uh, Now, to be fair, the title of the spies is pretty intriguing when it comes to speculation, right? So Mm -hmm. I don't fault ourselves or anyone for for missing this direct connection. And also Favreau doesn't come out. It wasn't like he said it. Celebration. All right. Can you all uh, pull out your Bible and open to the book of numbers? He didn't say that. Um, (laughs) um, But yeah, I'd say this is pretty clear and direct. And I think we always have fun talking about the title. We're going to talk about the title of this episode. The title often does have some ambiguity to it. I still love chapter three being called The Sin, where extremely honorable uh, Din Djarin breaks multiple codes and you're invited to ask which one is The Sin. Um, mm-hmm. I, a, a number of other examples where where I think uh, Favreau has fun with this. And fair enough, yes. The show, that episode starts with a literal spy in Kane mm-hmm. that does invite you to ask who are the other spies. But I think for me, seeing some of the, the tweets that I saw of, you know, we're, we're talking 18 <laughs> tweet threads explaining mm-hmm. this, this look from the armor and this moment of season one could have actually been blah, blah, blah. Uh, I, I think I, I definitely was affected watching the episode, wondering if the people who had gone real, real deep on trying to figure out who the spy in the Mandalorians were, 
if they were having a hard time with the episode because it had become about that. Yeah, well, it, eh, I, I want to get this guy. We're, we're 40 minutes in. This is going to be a three-hour episode, I'm sure. Um, uh, wonderful way to spend my birthday. I mean this sincerely. But I, this is a little bit when I get a little grumpy about the overall state of movie uh, and TV punditry is, is when you're looking for the Easter eggs, uh, which, by the way, that term is misused completely. When you're looking for the things in the episodes and, and you want to have red arrows pointing to what this means, you often just you, you, you focus on that to the point where you miss the point. Right. And it's fun stuff. Again, I was convinced Axe Wolves was going to be a spy. I'm glad I was wrong. I got thoughts on Axe. I like where he ended up. But yeah, this is kind of the, the game. And you're talking about the threads and this and that. And, and I always say here, as deep as we go on Force Center, and we go deep and we love going deep, as deep as we go, I really do think, Joseph, we're sitting there pointing at the screen going, ah, there it is. That's what they said. And, and I really think that's. Our focus, and I'm not, I, I enjoy, I always say, enjoy Star Wars the way you want to enjoy it, and I mean that, um, but I just think that's that's the stuff what I see, and that's, you know, I, I didn't see a lot of this stuff because I had uh, muted the word The Mandalorian during Celebration because I couldn't get to the f- episode seven soon enough, and mm-hmm. I knew I wasn't going to get to it till after I came back from Paris, and so I just wanted to not be spoiled, and I'm going to keep that word up for a little bit because <laughs> I missed all this. I missed all this. Um, so anyways, it's, it's, it's the 12 spies from the Bible, everybody. there you go that's the easter egg that's the easter egg yeah and i i i think it is absolutely fine to speculate i think the the speculate responsibly thing comes it it, it is um it is sincere and a little tongue-in-cheek and to me what it is talking about is i don't want to personally speculate so hard that i only react to what I thought was going to be there. And it blinds me personally from seeing what is there in enjoying that. Uh, I don't think it's wrong to speculate. I, I, you know what I've been happy about? I've been speculating for years that maybe Gideon isn't trying to make Snoke or Palpatine. Maybe he's just trying to give himself force powers. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of right. It's fun to speculate. It, it's fun to go, ah, yay, I was, I was, I was in tune with the show. I was in the vibe. That stuff is, is all fun. I just don't want it to become, I, I it, it bumps me out when it, it makes it so people can't engage with what's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, let's move on then to the big themes. What ideas are at stake in this episode? Uh, what are the moments where we were like Leonardo DiCaprio and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood going there? She said stronger together. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, for you, Ken, what were how did you process some of the big ideas of this episode and, and maybe how they related to the to the yeah. season? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's two big things at play um, and that all. I didn't even have notes on, on the final one. It all leads to this lo- wonderful life pers- persist moment uh, from, from mm. Charles Darnell's character. Uh, I, I don't have much behind that one. I just think it all kind of leads to that in a way. But I think there's just some big ones at play, together versus alone, and Gideon's desire for what he can't have and, and how that relates to a lot of us and how that can bring you down. In, in Star Wars, it's a, it's a quest and, and it's a thirst for power. But really, uh, for us, it's, it's about... Um, overlooking who we are and we can get into that but yeah the together versus alone is very clear like you said it's said a few times i'd say a few times this season <laughs> it's the tribe of mandalore versus one man's desires i said earlier i think gideon is self he's the idea of self this is why i personally 
really love that we've touched on that there's something called Project Necromancer. We've touched upon ideas that might connect to the bowels of Exegol or even into the past, or even with some of the stuff at play in the Bad Batch. But really, it's about one man going, you know what I want to see more of? Me. Me. <laughs> it's about. Um, so then there's just examples all the way through. Obviously, R5, Elvin, Din, and Grogu, the tribes fighting together. All aspects of who they are are needed. Uh, uh, there's a danger when Din and Grogu are separated and all of it uh, leading to, to Bo-Katan, who, who would have lost alone in that final uh, heroic confrontation, uh, but needed uh, she needed everyone to be together, and, and she got that. Mandalorians are strong together. It's a big point. So, again, I, I have a lot, to, a lot of thoughts, but I just think it's one of those, like, here you go, together versus alone, and there's big lessons in it. No, I, I agree, and I think that there was, it, it is very, very direct. It's what the season was building to. It is stated uh, clearly by Bo-Katan, but I think there is power in that moment, which I want to get back to in a, mo in a moment. Uh, I, what I really liked about this is, this episode is I feel like there are a lot of clear ideas at work throughout the season, and I feel like this was a big action-packed, uh, fist-pumping, heartwarming <laughs> not heart punching, fist pumping and heartwarming spectacle that addressed all of them. I think one of the big themes of the season was, can you change? We're in this season of potential rebirth as uh, the, the New Republic, the Empire's gone, the New Republic's are trying to start, the Jedi are trying to start, every planet we visit is trying a new form of government, trying something new. Uh, the, the convert episode is about Pershing being dragged back to the past. So there's this huge question across the season of, can you change? And this episode was a bunch of Mandalorians screaming, yes! Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, the Mandalorians successfully put their differences aside, their instinct to prove strength through domination. They put that aside, and they were stronger together. They changed for the greater good. Mm -hmm. uh, it's mm -hmm. been on the table, what does it mean to be a Mandalorian? And we've seen uh, different ideas of it, but they came ringing through in this episode. Uh, honor, sacrifice, uh, being there for the next generation. Grogu, I'm going to need you to be brave for me, okay? Uh, and and he is. Uh, there's also been a big idea of, of home. What is the value of home? Uh, lots of people are rebuilding their homes. Lots of people are trying to build a new home like Navarro. We start the season with uh, Navarro really trying to be this beautiful prosperous place and a bunch of pirates going no you can't have a school it's a bar and always has been always will be right. um yeah and what i think uh, an interesting idea about home that i think this episode really drives through is uh, of course everybody needs everybody deserves a home and there's the idea that home is a is a people but it is also a place it's one of the things that was most powerful about the ending of this episode of the Mandalorians in their in their fractured coverts and tribes and in you know mercenary groups have have survived and they could thrive on Navarro, but they want to be on their home, yeah, with their history, uh, relighting their forge. Uh, Din has had such wonderful experiences of growth and discovery and. Uh, renewal and friendship and connection on Navarro. And it's, it's meaningful that that's, that's where he and Grogu are sitting peacefully mm -hmm. with a home. They could be anywhere in the galaxy, galaxy, the N1 could be their home yeah. and, and they, and they would still have a, 
uh, an emotional home in one another, a, a clan of two. But home is also a place. And that's partially what was part of what was so sweet and comforting and, and a balm about the end of the episode for me of hmm. getting down to this idea of, of what does home mean? It's a people, but it is also a place. Yeah. I love that idea because I think a lot of things that play in the season two, we're talking about the big overall themes is, you know, I've discussed it, but this kind of trauma recovery, but and, and Star Wars deals with that a lot on an individual basis. Right. But this was very much about how do you, how do we all recover? And I, 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 I say quite confidently that, you know, look at, Look at what we as a world have gone through in the last couple of years as a collective uh, trauma and how people deal with it, how people decide to go forward. And a lot of it is, um, uh, you know, you, you th that search for home is a search for yourself, the search for a place to stand, not wanting to give up. But how do you how do you how do you come together to move forward? I think a lot of that's at play. And that's why I thought I was particularly moved by the the relighting of the Great Forge moment mm -hmm. about recovering. Um and there's different ways to recover, different ways to move forward, to let go and change. But it was a, it was a standing of the ground that I liked. Yeah, no, I really agree, and I want to I want to talk more about that because um, I, I do think there was power in the way that they dug into some of these uh, big picture themes. But I feel like they raised questions: Can you change? What does it mean to be a Mandalorian? What is the value of home? And this episode was interested in answering them in a direct and sincere way. I really love what you've been saying about you know, stronger together versus what did you call it? Uh, uh, the idea of self, the idea of self. Yeah. Stronger together versus rule of one uh, yeah. is, <laughs> and it is very, very direct. Gideon is obsessed only with himself, literally making himself uh, mm -hmm. and that idea that uh, he will be perfect if he takes more from other people that all, all, all he's missing to be perfect is what other people have. Yeah. What the Mandalorians have, what the Jedi have. It, it is, it is vanity without seeing the fact that he is actually, you know, um, embracing stronger together, but in a manipulative, destructive way. Like it, mm -hmm. diversity is good, but what if I take it for myself uh, is, is powerful and destructive and, yeah, didn't uh, uh, Bokdan literally says stronger together? But I thought, and it's been a, it was it was we talked about it last episode. It was, it was very present in in last week's episode as well. But this wasn't only the tribes coming together. They were listening to Bokatan's leadership about how to you know uh, man, move around the conflict so that they can get the upper hand and all that kind of mm -hmm. practical plot stuff in the big picture. But there was also just so much imagery in the action that Din and Bo-Katan and Grogu kept sweeping in and saving one another. That mm -hmm. that real Star Wars um, uh, save what you love, not fight what you hate. Of They kept swooping in and, and shielding and guarding and protecting and I'll hold this person off so you can help this person. It was there in in the action as well. Uh, you mentioned it. R5-D4 is a, appears to be a, a valued member <laughs> yeah, of yeah. the group at this point. Uh, and the number of times that, uh, that Din calls him buddy. I need you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. You know, uh, yeah. but the stronger together idea that I really want to talk with you about, and, and I know it might be, um, I haven't got a chance to, to really see people's reaction to this, is the destruction of the Darksaber. Mm -hmm. Um not only is this moment where, oh, it looks like Bo-Katan is going to lose, but then uh, Din and, and Grogu st step in to help uh, in the real explicit line from uh, Gideon. Mandalorians are weak once they lose their trinkets. Mm 
mm-hmm. uh, which really ties to what's been said throughout the series about weapons are a part of our religion. Weapons are a part of our culture. It's how, uh, how Space Jack Black, mm-hmm. <laughs> Bombardier, uh, uh, zigs and zags around their rules. is like, mm, you can have weapons because it's your culture. And here's this really dark version of it. You know, they're trinkets and that's, mm-hmm. that's all you have. Mm-hmm. Bo-Katan responds with the, you know, very underlined line, Mandalorians are stronger together. But within that, what's most interesting to me is the Darksaber is a symbol that can unite Mandalorians. But it is a symbol of who is the leader, who is the one who will lead the way. It is something that can be inspiring and powerful, but can also be something that's sort of corrupting. Mm-hmm. It, it is about the Mandalorian instinct, the part of their culture that so values strength and power that it has to be about dominance. It mm-hmm. has to be that you win the Darksaber from someone by kicking their ass. And anybody who wants to take the Darksaber from you, it's a constant invitation to fight. So the Darksaber has the beauty of it's a symbol that can bring people together, but also it's a symbol that can agitate this desire for constant conflict. And as you've pointed out already uh, many times, there's also there is already a difference in the way that that Bo-Katan gets it this time. It isn't just about kicking ass and, and mm-hmm. defeating an enemy. It's about being there to help Din. So she she won it in a way that is more about stronger together. Mm-hmm. But the big thing that that I've been leading to is Bo-Katan sweatpants, Bo-Katan lounging <laughs> on the throne. Uh, at many other times in her life, Bo-Katan would have been broken. Yeah, by the dark saber being broken because she would have piled all of her meaning, all of her strength into this object, which can be powerful to do. But she didn't miss a beat because it wasn't about her needing to be the leader with the sword that single-handedly saves the day. Mm-hmm. She needed to be the leader who brought everyone together. She didn't need the Darksaber. She didn't need the one thing. She needed all of her people together and that absolute uh, faith that people are going to have her back. And they did. And to me, that that it kind of like nerd-wise would be like, oh, but I, I want to see more stuff with the Darksaber. It's cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I wanted to buy a Bo-Katan action figure that came with the Darksaber. All that nerd stuff uh, I can get caught up in and I can get excited about, well, but maybe it'll come back or whatever. Yeah. Darksaber's awesome. But the meaning of that, I think, was a little was what really gave the stronger together uh, moment its power because it was Bo Katan letting go of um, mm-hmm. the power of me being the leader is bringing people together. The power—it's not me empowering myself to be the one who does everything. It's about me bringing people together. Yeah, uh, well said on the, on the journey of, of, of the dark saber. And I, I for one, I'm confident that I think you can rebuild that. I think I think Star Wars has shown that. Put some spider legs on the dark saber. We're we're gonna be okay. <laughs> but I, I love the idea of a mythical sword, right? This symbol of power and leadership and salvation and community and culture. And, and I think there's a lot to the dark saber, but uh, I, that 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 just means well, like you said, it, when it goes well. But when it goes wrong. Um, Maul grabs it and y'all got to bend the knee because he's got the sword. 
that's when it breaks down for me, when, when it loses its true purpose and meaning, but you're trapped by it. It, it, mm-hmm. it, it, it's an absolute trap. And I think there's a little bit for me of what worked, and I know it didn't work for everybody, of this season. It, it, it almost, I'm, I'm saying there's a little bit of a wink of a nod because we use this uh, phrase a lot, but it's like this this breaking of the cycle of violence of the Darksaber, uh, breaking mm-hmm. a little bit of the hold. You're right, Sweatpants Bo-Katan, when we meet her, by the way, she doesn't take any action if Din doesn't show up. So he's a catalyst for so much. Uh, in this season, mm-hmm. um, she's sitting there thinking, I'm nothing without it, right? That's the simple lesson. And then here, uh, this going to my, my, my idea of Gideon's desire for what he can't have. Yes, he talked about clones of himself trying to get the force, this trinket line. But Star Wars is, is so often about who you are being enough, right? Are you a rock band in Visions Volume 1? Are you Jar Jar Binks? Uh, are you a, a leader who lost her, her sword? Um, who you are is enough. Gideon fails in that regard. He fails with it time and time again because he's always trying to take and always trying to build and always uh, trying to get, as he says, what I, uh, the one thing I never had, the force, and then I'll be better. And that's all of us in our lives. It's the keeping up with the Joneses philosophy of, uh, of <laughs> modern America. And I, and I think there's, there's certain, there could be power with Bo-Katan going, I don't need it. But she's in a fight. This isn't Luke at the end. It's a different feel uh, than, say, the end of Return of the Jedi. She needs that at the moment because it's a damn good weapon. But life sometimes takes away our own darksabers from us, right? Life Mm -hmm. sometimes steps on it and crunches it with its mechanical armor. And you need to find yourself in those situations just as much as when you lay it down on your own by your own accord. She earned that darksaber, as we've said uh, all through this season, uh, by being who she is. That's what Din uh, is saying in that moment. And uh, I, I think that's the power of it. Uh, and that's the lesson she's got there that does all lead to this. And this great little trinket line means so much. Without it, she is still who she is. And that's all she needs because that person inspires the others around her to survive, to come together, to thrive as one. And I think that's part of the lesson for me. So could she have had this revelation of, oh, trinkets, you know what? Toss the saber away. You're right. I don't need it. I got my fist and my friends. Yeah, it could have been one way to do it, but I think this carries out the journey of the Darksaber through this particular show and season. Yeah, I really agree. I think it is a, a powerful thing to say the goal is more important than how it is accomplished, mm-hmm. which has been hanging over the Darksaber of, and, and Bo-Katan for her own healing, right? Mm-hmm. I, I surrendered it to try to save my people, and it, it, that mm-hmm. was a betrayal of of my honor. That was betrayal of, of the path of the dark saber. Uh, I got suckered. Uh, you know, I let, and I need this. I need so much of her energy before was, I personally need to take the dark saber and cut this man's head off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's the only way I'll be whole again. And to have all of her sort of focus and energy redirected to, we just need this guy out of our face so we can rebuild and mm-hmm. rebuilding is what matters. Mandalore is what matters. My obsession isn't what matters. The goal matters. And I, I have had that experience in my life in, in lots of ways where I've slipped into the, the Bo-Katan, like, it's not just the goal. I want to do this to achieve it. Or, Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. it it is so great how star Wars can affect weird parts of our lives. This is a theater exercise. When you're putting on a show, uh, a, a theatrical show, you need everybody to be, what is the goal? The goal is to have a great show. And of course, we all want to have like a moment where we shine or we're seen and and that's great. But if the goal of putting on a a great show 
becomes about one person needing a spotlight in this moment or or not thinking about the whole at all, only thinking about what they personally need out of it. Mm-hmm. That's where it gets corrupted and not as good because you're not focused on we want to put on a good show for the audience that is the goal and i think this this was <laughs> my weird analogy is bo-katan decided hey let's put on a good show for the whole audience <laughs> yeah i don't need to to do that monologue that actually disrupts the whole flow of the show <laughs> yeah 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 she's just in the moment she is who she is she's herself and that's that's enough and i think that's part of the point and, and how this one personally kind of reached out to me this week and i have to admit that you know this this is something i'm connecting with of of uh, life sometimes squishes your, your your dark saber i'm experiencing that right now in my own life my own struggles my car's in the shop it's my birthday and i got nothing to show for much and, and is that who i am or am i more than that uh, life has crunched my dark saber i gotta stand up and and i get through this with friends and family and and who i am driving me forward i hope and that's the the, the goal uh, put on a good show as you say so anyway <laughs> I, I really love this moment it, it was um Something not surprising. Yes, this seemed to happen, but I was a little surprised that the dark saber was uh, crunched out of existence, at least for this episode. Um, and I think it could return. It'd be fun. There's a lot of history to it. But I think uh, to your point at the end, to take it all the way back, it is a great symbol for the Mandalorian people. It is also uh, it's a hopeful symbol. It, it's also a trap. It's also a trap. And can you let go of it when you need to? And, you know, the surprise, I think, from from Gideon that he expects that to break her and she is stronger than that Yep, uh, is is powerful. Uh, I want to talk a little bit more about these ideas of, of home and rebirth. You were talking about being uh, affected by the forge. I was really affected by the forge as well. Uh, the second time I watched it this morning, the way both the armor and Bo-Katan are, are carrying that torch. Uh, there was a second where I looked at it. Is, is, did they reform <laughs> the hilt of the Darksaber in, yeah. in, into the torch? But it was almost like the torch was had taken the place of the Darksaber to me, like visually, mm-hmm. of this is the thing uh, that truly makes us who we are, is, is relighting this forge. There are so many Im- images and ideas uh, in this episode of home, like we talked about, but also rebirth. Uh, it, obviously, the the uh, plot is they retake their home. They literally relight uh, their forge. They discover that plants still grow, which uh, I think is powerful regardless. But if you spent time with the Clone Wars and mm-hmm. saw their, the barren world with the domed cities, and yeah, like Bo-Katan says in the episode, the plants grew inside the domed city, but they live on a scar. They mm-hmm. live on a planet that is defined by this is a part of who we are. It's violence, violence, violence. And this is where that leads in, mm-hmm. in Satine's question. Can we have another kind of kind of strength um, in discovering that plants can still grow? And even that they come out of death, right? That all of these creatures have awakened after the bombing. Even the plants yeah. have somehow reawakened after the bombing. It's a really beautiful uh, in dark side, light side. The dark side thinks it can control everything. It can crush everything. It can end everything. But as uh, a tragically unnamed Mandalorian survivor mm-hmm. captain uh, says, life persists. Mm-hmm. That was great. Uh, uh, completing Ragnar's interrupted initiation mm-hmm. is rebirth. Uh, it, I feel like the idea with seeing the mythosaur is another thing that maybe we could all get uh, hung up on of like, who's going to ride it when? Yeah. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe someday somebody will, uh, will ride it. Um, but the armor gives that direct prophecy 
in the Book of Boba Fett episode mm-hmm. uh, talking about there's a prophecy that uh, that someone will, will ride the ancient Mythosaur and Mandalore will be reborn. I didn't have a chance to rewatch it this morning. Mm. But what it occurred to me is, no, this is a part of the armor's growth. That prophecy didn't come true literally, but it came true spiritually. Bo-Katan saw the mythosaur. She rose and she brought the, she ushered in a new age of Mandalore. Mm -hmm. And the power of Grogu, maybe even sensing the mythosaur and and this idea that the mythosaur isn't, maybe someday, hey, maybe maybe that's how Thrawn gets defeated. (laughs) 800 (laughs) Mandalorians riding a mythosaur. It it could still (laughs) spring out there. Uh, But for right now, there was a power to me in like, it's a symbol. The, it, yeah. I believe the beast is literally down there, but yeah, same. it's the heart of Mandalore. It's alive. It can't be killed. You can, you bomb it and it comes back to life and everybody is feeling connected to it. And the prophecy came true, not in a literal way, but in a spiritual way, a mm-hmm. great, powerful rebirth to me. Uh, I'm going to pause there because I've been saying a lot of things and I'm curious your thoughts on them. No, I love, first of all, I, I really agree. I think the Mythosword is there and man, wouldn't it be fun to see Grogu, uh, Bogatan, and Din just all riding Mythosaurs or just one Mythosaur, put a put a big uh, saddle on there. Yeah, um, I just never expected that. I never expected that in a serious way, the way they played it. Um, the, the prophecy was clearly stated, but you know, and we got to, the prophecy of the chosen one is something that's kind of real and in, in embodied by a person, right? So I think we, we look at that. But this uh, this was this was always about spirit, always about the heart. And I, I was uh, like I said, the, the, this life persists is this theme of this episode and maybe even the season and, and series so far. But I got kind of nothing beyond that other than emotions, other than mm-hmm. Grogu just reaching out and feeling what's down there and knowing it's there. And I, I'm with you. So much, so much has happened to this planet, to these these people, to their culture, scattered like uh, through the wind throughout the galaxy, like, like, like dust on the wind. And and it's all about you know, no matter how lost, you got to find your way home, so to speak. The the Din and Grogu conversation from earlier, but the Mythosaur is there. It was always there, and and it's, it's a, a, a spiritual awakening moment for them, and, and and something I can take for me all into this theme of uh, of uh, supersized trauma recovery collective trauma yeah. recovery uh and that uh again at the end of the day what you need is already there and has always been there and yeah you gotta see it feel it and i think it's made even more powerful by the specific villainy of moff gideon across these three seasons that it wasn't just mm-hmm. the the emperor raised his wrinkled finger and sent some bombers that this was a person who uh, was obsessed with mandalore wanted to take their culture and make it his own mm-hmm. there on one hand i feel like this this episode is it's explosive it's fun it's heartwarming it's very direct but like with the greatest star wars with with um the, comparing it to the very first film star wars later a new hope uh there are these you can enjoy it on this very direct surface level cool action the the themes are real 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 clear because the characters said them out loud yeah 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 but if you start to pull those threads, what do you find? And I'm not going to go deep into the real world stuff, but there's some powerful real world stuff for what the Mandalorians have gone through. It's not enough that their culture can't exist. It's that it needs to be eradicated entirely, but it has enough value to be both mocked and stolen. 
mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. another person. There are examples in the real uh-huh. world of plenty of of cultures, people, ways of life that are both less than, according to the people who are trying to dominate them, and also so powerful that the person who is saying it's less than also must ha- must take them and make them their own. And uh, the reason for this detour for me is I think that's part of what is the power of this sense of home, this sense of rebirth of, Mm. Mm. yep, the Mandalorians could live on uh, Navarro. They could live on Dinosaur River um, and they are people and, and, and they would find a path forward. But this is their ancient home where their culture was built. It's theirs and that matters and they got it back and are looking to the future is more powerful to me because somebody with echoes of absolute horror, absolute worst of what the real world can be, tried to take it from them and make it his own. Yeah, no, I, I and, and, and again, going to something I said earlier of uh, how they did it and, 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 and what needed to happen amongst them, you know, mm-hmm. um, it is absolutely a wonderful show of force to get, to get into some, great fighting there's almost too much action to measure in this episode but it's uh they earned it because of how they came together and how they pushed forward and, and how they uh, uh uh connected with that true sense of home yeah and I, and and yeah it, there's so many real world examples and you all can attach your own and push it there but i'll say this moff gideon is the the, the person that goes to coachella with a, a culturally appropriated outfit and <laughs> wants to be that guy wants to be that person so anyways um it- you know, he, he really is. He really, really is. Uh, also on this theme of, of uh, home and rebirth, uh, it's a big moment that that I feel like Grogu goes through a kind of a, a, a graduation, a, a mm-hmm. rebirth. He he is a, a Mandalorian. He, he chose to be one. Uh, but now he is uh, reborn with uh, a new name, a new role, uh, the concrete this is a father son relationship i am a fish i'm not just your guardian watching over you i am your father Mm -hmm. uh and that grogu wants that that he has that he is now din grogu a mandalorian Mm -hmm. apprentice is is a sense of home a sense of uh rebirth as well how did you feel about that uh i love everything about it though i do want uh, some clarification on on the naming conventions here. I've seen this go around, you know, is it Ragnar Vizsla or is it Paz Ragnar? I want to know. (laughs) Uh, I think it's important, but uh, yeah, no, I I loved it. It, it, There's this talk of uh, Grogu kind of being this balance in the middle, right? That's been out there. I think John, they've been asked that in press interviews and all that kind of stuff. And I think a lot of that ends up being true. And I think one of the things um, um, I very much loved I don't know about you. I, I got to imagine you love that. that. That final shot of him lifting the frog out, not only is it just like a wonderful tip of the cap to Luke Skywalker and the things he's learned, is the tip of the cap of, of who he is and who he will continue to be. Uh, and and this idea of um, you, had, you had you had Din that needed to be there, Bo-Katan that needed to be there. You got the survivors, you got the armor, you got the covert, you got the, the privateers, but you got Din, Grogu, and Bo-Katan all representing three uh, three ways to Mandalore. <laughs> and, and I think it was important. And I think Grogu being at the center of this show, without a doubt, I think he's still very much at the center of it. Um, even though, though not every episode was focused on him this round. And, and so that's why I love that it ended with him kind of being, again, who he is is enough because that's who he is and that's what he brings to the table. He is a, he is a Jedi. He is a Mandalore. He is now a son. He is, a, a, I'd say, a, a warrior. He's a lot of things. And, uh, and now he gets some peace. I love it. 
Yeah, it's really beautiful. And, and I do feel like it, it tied the season together. And now when I watch the season, I feel like I'm watching an ensemble show, uh, it, it, which is a shift because it used to be Din and Grogu's show. But mm-hmm. this episode was so Din and Grogu centered in the way they brought their story home because their story is entirely tied to Bo-Katan's story, is entirely tied to the New Republic, uh, really worked for me in that that final that final uh, scene, uh, particularly, you know, when I first watched it, I really enjoyed it. And like, that's great. But, you know, my head was spinning with, uh, okay, is there going to be a, <laughs> a a little teaser for the Ahsoka? Is Thrawn going to pop up and mm. go, oh, yeah, it's not done yet? Um, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I was able to just really sit back and, and let it wash over me and soothe me how beautiful it is. Because you, you rewatch, rewatch Chapter 4, Sanctuary. Mm-hmm. And, and see how Grogu and Din are pulling toward, wouldn't it be nice to just have this? But mm-hmm. we can't. The, and yeah. for them to have fought for, now they do. And the frog moment being attached to uh, everything that Grogu has learned, that he's not trying to shove it in his mouth like he was in Sanctuary, but just playing with nature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and Din in that same, just sort of kicking back. Uh, he doesn't have a Space Corps light, but it looks like he could just... <laughs> just chilling until their next adventure but really really powerful really soothing really beautiful well i, I love the, the 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 cold open of this that ends you you mentioned it i, I was uh moved by it as well of of you know buddy uh grogu this this doesn't end this pursuit that's been happening of us uh, this this search for home this search for some sense of peace none of it ends until we take this man out He's been at the center of it all. And it's beyond just an imperial remnant. Uh, that's definitely a factor, right? Definitely what's going on. But it's this guy who got you, who, 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 who tried to find you again, who held on to you, who, who took from you, who took from me. This is why I didn't leave you there at the sanctuary, because uh, I knew it wouldn't end if we stayed there. It couldn't end. And this is how it's going to end, is if we take him out, are you with me? Ah, I love that moment. I love that. I thought it paid off well at the end. Great growth for Din, too, because I think at one point Din would have been like, hide in the wall. Yeah, yeah. He's like, you're growing, you're strong, I need you, we need to do this together. And that, oh man, that little head nod from Grogu, beautiful. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Final big picture for me uh, that I want to discuss is I do think there is a thread throughout the show, but really emphasizing this uh, episode about the importance of defense mm-hmm. um the the mandalorians are strong uh, they are a strong people but there are some mandalorians who are always tempted to see that strength as uh is dominance uh, that's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the main to me the main heart of the story of uh pre versus the philosophy of satine right the, the satine is like let's we're not getting involved in a pointless war but you try to kill me i'm gonna end you i'm gonna defend myself i'm mm-hmm. strong uh, there's some pretty explicit lines about banter with Obi Wan, right? Uh, mm-hmm. like, uh, you were a pacifist, like, yeah, n- not when, not when people are <laughs> trying to murder me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not they're not going to just back down. Uh, there's so much in this episode that was images of defense. Um, mm. Din, Bo-Katan, and Grogu all shielding one another. Uh, they, they're trying to protect Grogu. Grogu protects them uh, from the flames. Uh, we've got Din's new role as really a defender of the outer rim. Mm-hmm. He, he's, he's not 
saying he's not going back to normal bounty hunter. He's going to a man he knows to be honorable, supporting a government that's trying their best but isn't doing well uh, for the Outer Rim. And the things he offers to do is like chase down Imperial remnants, take care of problems. He's not like, he's not saying to like the Snivian bartender, like, hey, do you have a <laughs> somebody you don't like? <laughs> I'll, I'll go, <laughs> do you have somebody who's a little too loud? Do you, somebody, somebody does bad karaoke in here? I'll, you know, uh, I'll rub he, them out. Yeah. I'll rub them out. He, he's offering to be a defender. Uh, mm-hmm. There are rounds of applause for, uh, IG-11 is back as a marshal because the town of Navarro deserves that. They mm-hmm. deserve someone who is, as IG-11 says, here to serve and protect mm-hmm. the citizenry. There's this, this sense in many aspects about this is how to use strength, this is how to use power. Is mm-hmm. It's an honorable way to use power of defense. And the biggest part of this, and, and the reason I really wanted to talk about is is Grogu. Mm-hmm. You're waiting for him to use the force. Right. We've seen him use the, the force uh, lashing out. We've seen him use it uh, in, intuitively to help, even in the first season. We have, in the same episode, he, he chokes Cardoon because he thinks, he thinks she's hurting his dad. And he just heals grief because he's in pain. Uh, we we want to see the growth that he's had with Luke. We want to see, when, when Luke took him on that, uh, that force climb up the reeds to just look at the beautiful serene horizon and feel the rhythm of nature of life of the force that get through to Grogu. It seems like, yes, when he puts the rancor to sleep, but this was the test. He could have been ripping the throats out of those Praetorian guards. Mm-hmm. Every way he uses the force is defensive. Uh, they're running at me. I'm going to stop their blade from hitting me. They're about to kill my dad. I'm going to shove him to the side in my absolute favorite. Oh, did you want to reach for that weapon? Nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. You know, Oof. yeah. Pushes Gideon back into the flames of his own anger and, mm-hmm. and obsession. Everything that Grogu does is utterly, utterly defensive uses of the force. And I just thought that was beautiful. It's the way it should be, right? If, you, if you're if you Jedi-ing, right? Yeah. Or, but what did Bo-Katan said early on? You seem pretty good with the force. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> no, I love it. I love what you're saying, too. I don't have much more to add in, in, in terms of like how to use the power. It's, it's this idea of that that power and strength in it itself, uh, and I'm not talking about uh, power in terms of ruling, but just uh, strength, the ability to help others. Those, those, those aren't bad, right? And I think there's so many folks that uh, misunderstand, uh, and, and not, not in the fandom of Star Wars, but just in the real world of like, are you are you saying I, I can't be a big, strong, tough dude? No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying what is what you're doing with it is hurting you and all hurting all of us, right? There's, there's ways to wield it. And we need uh, certain folks to have strength and power and, and, and the ability to help others. Um, Moff Gideon probably seems to be a pretty strong dude, man. You know, like, but mm-hmm. what are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? And how are you using it? And I love what you just said of, of tossed back in the, what, the flames of his own anger. Was it what you said? Uh, beautiful. <laughs> beautiful. Uh, consumed by it. And and um, I think that's why that's, I, I, I thought there was a, you know, we've seen Grogu kind of do this before, but not, to do it on this level was, was uh, it was downright spiritual for me. I love that they take the time. Uh, Femi uh, directing that scene perfectly. I think taking the time to to really focus on on the three of them in that fire bubble, that fire shield bubble. That was really great. It was beyond just great action. It was pur- purposeful uh, and, uh, and uh, like I said, spiritual. Yeah, they shielded him so he could shield them. It was, it was lovely. Yeah, and, and I love, yeah. 
uh, I love what you're saying about the real world. And I think that is the, mm-hmm. the slippery slope of, uh, yeah. I think, I think we all want to feel empowered. We all want to feel uh, competent. And, and then there is that, that level of, do you want to feel powerful so you can feel powerful or do you want that power so it can be there to help when it's needed? Mm-hmm. Um, it, fighting temptations to slide <laughs> into real world examples. Uh, not so much uh, because I don't want to talk about them, but because uh, I, I want to keep talking about Star Wars. Mm-hmm. But I think mm-hmm. we, we can see echoes of this in the real world where people say, I want this power for defense. And like, do you or, or do you want to feel powerful and you're looking for an excuse <laughs> to show that power? Yeah, yeah. Or are you actually... Ha- you know, I, to me, this is one of the reasons that I always love Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like, in his perfect world, things are in balance and he never needs to fly. He never needs to ignite that blade. Right, right, right. He doesn't have a longing for this. He wants to sit in a bar and, you know, probably rank albums with uh, Dexter Jetster. <laughs> That's his ideal. He gets that blade out when he needs it, when he needs to. And to me, that's real power, not... I need to sh- make myself feel powerful. So I'm going to find an excuse to ignite this blade. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Moving along. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about the title? Uh, this is uh, the return. How do you feel about that? Look, I'll say this. I'll admit to this. Talk about speculate responsibly. I got a little wild this moment. I went, Oh, Thrawn is coming back. And uh, <laughs> I thought it meant I was really into it. And then I, I think, uh, Pretty clearly, uh, the idea of uh, yeah, I, I focus mostly about the return of Mandalore and, and the Mandalorians, but uh, I think you could apply it to a lot of spots. But I love that again. That's why I love that life persists um, scene. I thought it was. I thought it paid off that title well. Yeah, I, I really liked it, and I admit the exact same thing when it flashed. I was like, oh, cool. Well, uh, there's at least going to be a teaser with Thrawn. Um, mm-hmm. I I'm happy to let that grow. Thrawn will come when when uh, when Thrawn is going to uh, supposed to be here, and we know that he is going to be arriving soon. August, in fact, we can mm-hmm. put it on our calendars. Uh, I really like the return. I think it connects to the history of uh, our titles in Star Wars, uh, the, the big films of uh, Return, Revenge, Rise, but also that's been the tradition with The Mandalorian of a Redemption, Rescue, and now The Return. Mm-hmm. But I also think it has a real power that that does connect to Return of the Jedi, this idea that is baked into the hero's journey, which mm-hmm. the hero's journey is not everything, is, is more and more people are discussing, which is great, but it is such a, a part of the DNA of Star Wars the big idea in the hero's journey is that you return home having changed. Mm. And I'd argue that's, that's storytelling in, in general, you start with stasis, you go through conflict and there there's resolution. And in most stories, it is you return to this stasis, but you have changed. And I feel like that is what's going on in this episode. The, the man, the Mandalorians returned home, but they have been changed by the journey there. They value home more. They have a different perspective on home. They have a, a different motivation to work together and be stronger together and not fall back into civil war. Uh, yeah. Din has a new home on Navarro, uh, but and he was offered it at the beginning of the season, mm-hmm. but he couldn't take it then, and he can now because he has changed for his journey, for his return to home. I love uh, focusing on that side of it, um, particularly with Mandalore, right? It's going to be different. It needs to be different. It feels it'll be different. They understand now. They understand why they continue to fall for generations upon generations. But maybe, just maybe, they have a better understanding of their place in the galaxy Um, and and maybe how others will react. Uh, You know, who knows? Uh, 
the Mandalorians have always seemed to be like a, a prickly uh, pair of a group, right? You know, uh, they're, they're, they are going to your, your point, um, which you've made throughout the season a few times of, of is the image of a Mandalorian is it, is it the image of death or the image of salvation? Just go back to season one of Mandal- the Mandalorian when Din's walking around and Mando, everyone's looking at you and he's getting his armor back and his armor back from the armor. And that means something because it sends a little shiver of terror down uh, people's, um, uh, spines there, uh, no matter how many spines they have, uh, <laughs> but that that can't that doesn't feel the vibe now, right? It doesn't feel like that's where they are. It is truly a, a little bit of molting has happened on the birds' uh, feathers here of, of the Mandalorians, and I kind of like that. We'll see how it plays out. We'll see if they get involved and how they how it would seem like they're going to get involved in the New Republic era. Um, but the, that uh, Mandalore is this thing in the corner, and they do what the Mandalorians do. They're about war, armor, and fighting. Uh, might be a different vibe now. And I think that's, uh, again, what you're saying, what the title's talking about as well. Yeah. And, and well, yeah, it's very interesting to see what the storytelling of uh, the resurgent uh, Mandalore will be. Uh, but for now, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to be back to talk some of the canon stuff. We're going to talk some of the action, a little bit of action in this episode. I limited myself greatly on the moments that I picked for favorites, comedy, and some uh, speculating, hopefully responsibly, about the future. All that in a moment. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. 
Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. And we are back to continue our discussion of Chapter 24 of The Mandalorian, The Return. We are returning to talk about canon, lore, connections to other stories. Uh, there was some interesting stuff here. This was not, uh, I think, as packed as some episodes, but I want to talk about uh, the lore, larger lore of Star Wars, but also the lore of The Mandalorian finally having concrete answers about the experiment experiments of Gideon or the experiments of <laughs> Gideon. Uh, so we, we get the final confirmation. Uh, he was working on cloning himself. Mm-hmm. He was trying to give his give himself an army of himself with force powers, and I would assume also Beskar armor. I think it has been pretty clearly delineated now. Everything we've seen from the initial pursuit of Grogu, the the job that the client was hiring all the bounty hunters for, to the uh, facility on Navarro, to this facility on Mandalore was not directly connected to Palpatine's return or the creation of Snoke, that it might be using the same technology, the same uh, threads of research from the Kaminoans, uh, but that is not what Gideon was doing. Gideon was making himself, and the Palpatine, the Snoke of it all, that is uh, Brendel Huck's Project Necromancer. Would you agree that that is the story now or am i making leaps no no i i think it was a, a a wonderful confirmation it's not a contest but i just think we've always kind of felt around here this is about moff gideon and his relationship to mandalore the mandalorians and the mandalorian um and that will maybe now include grogu i think that's always been it uh i think um that but like we said it doesn't mean that the the empire at large wouldn't want to take what he's doing or what i thought the other way around around there was a, the, the quote from Brendel, um, well, I'm not quoting him because I can't remember exactly, but he's basically kind of, he kind of said, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. By the way, you took Pershing for your own stuff. What are you doing over there? Like, like we, we had him for our stuff, you know, like we got something bigger going on and it was always about what he was doing for himself. Uh, it's fun to, to speculate obviously about other things. And I, I had definitely, um, left room for the possible connection to Snoke and for later on a little bit more of the connection to, um, Palpatine. I, I look, it's still possible as the series goes forward and you spend time more with uh, Thrawn, Hux, Paleon. I still think Circus's Snoke is not out of the question at some point. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's possible, but I think for what this show, again, what it set out to do was him, his quest for power, his quest for self versus them. And, and it just made a lot of sense. And it was also downright freaky. Yeah, super freaky. <laughs> I, I really liked it. I really like that clarity 
because it it, it will change watching, uh, rewatching the the Mandalorian with that. It's always fun to watch Star Wars with. I remember you and I talking right before the Rise of Skywalker came out and being like, "Let's watch the Last Jedi one more time because we'll never watch it exactly the same way again." Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's maybe a a divisive example since people have such strong opinions about <laughs> Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker. But hey, it was true when I was a kid and uh, I I knew Empire Strikes Back and I was waiting for what happened to Return of the Jedi mm-hmm. uh, and didn't know luke and leia were siblings and now i never won't again yeah uh it'll be fun to rewatch mandalorian with this knowledge it's got me excited i want the story of mm-hmm. the first order and uh how much did uh hawks know about mm. palpatine uh, how much did anybody know who snoke was how much agency does snoke have all those great questions we've talked about i'm excited for that storytelling i'm excited to talk about them uh, and I'm excited that there's that's not this story that's over there mm-hmm. um, connected, but a different story. And I'm really, really looking forward to getting into it. I like the way it was doled out. They even had it in the um, the uh, previously on for this episode of Hux being like, yeah, you, you you're doing some cloning stuff and mm-hmm. <laughs> getting me like me. That's yeah. your obsession. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. So I, I'm excited uh, for that clarity. Yeah. I, I do want to ask you, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mm. mean to cut you off. No, no, just yes, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Good clarity. I want to ask your opinion. I think I like the clarity. There is a, I'm on engage with what I'm presented with, but I also want to be honest when something bumps for me. Mm. There's a part of me that was like, I'm glad that we have the answer, but did it feel a little anticlimactic to not have some half functioning Gideon clones, zombie clones shambling out, roughly using the force, and <laughs> not even fully right, just sort of uh, not, yeah. not not having it quite work yet, you know. And they're they're uh, reaching out and doing some horrible force push, but the but their arms explode. When they do it. <laughs> I think you could have absolutely. That's a good what if. I think that absolutely could have uh, been fun. Uh, I think the the eye pop was was cr- freaky enough, but yeah, having a Giancarlo Esposito stumble down a hallway as one of his own clones uh, could have been fun. So uh, maybe we'll get that deleted too. <laughs> maybe we will maybe we will but i also want to ask you how much this is one of those times where we we're getting the information from a character and is it mm. true pershing was really clear on i've almost broken through and i i'm so close i can do it mm. uh even even gideon and i wrote down his actual quote here i'm scrolling up uh uh on on my notes uh to to see it um uh, my clones were finally going to be perfect. The best parts of me, but improved by adding the one thing I never had, the force. Mm-hmm. I was isolated the potential to wield the force and incorporate it into an unstoppable army and you smothered them before they could draw their first breath. So he, he's talking big like they were almost there. Mm-hmm. Do you believe them? Uh, that's a good question. No, I don't. I think, <laughs> I think he had some dreams. He's not getting there. Yeah, I think because like it's the idea of like are all those troopers there clones of him? I I, I think that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. I think the answer to me at this point after this episode is no. Um, so uh, uh, I I think he's all bluster. He's all about desire versus actual results. Yeah, part of me is just like hearing such a, an interesting pulpy idea, and that the eye pop was great. There's a part of me is like, ooh, well, well, show me, show me. But I can also see the perspective that. Is it that's a it's a big bit of storytelling world building, the idea of of 
stealing somebody's uh, midi-chlorians <laughs> mm. uh, or replicating them and making them work in this way. It's a, it's a real uh, unnatural, uh, you know, mm. dark science secrets only the Sith knew. And do, would I want it to be just like a blip in this show versus have room to explore that, that lore, that um, perspective, that... Mm. Does that work? Can that work? That feels unnatural. Obviously, Snoke comes about in some way, and uh, the the creation of uh, of not Chad Palpatine, uh, <laughs> Dathan, Dathan yeah. Palpatine. Uh, he's a disappointment because he doesn't have the Force, but mm-hmm. his daughter naturally does. So they're already delving into some of that relationship between mm-hmm. cloning and 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 midi chlorians and all that. But I do feel like it's kind of it needs to be handled well. So there's also a part of me that's like, maybe I didn't need to see uh, dark side force zombies mm-hmm. <laughs> without having the elbow room to truly reckon with it. Yeah, well, that's fair. That's fair. I'm good. Do you have a strong opinion uh, now that I have contradicted myself about my own desire to see no. dark side force zombies? No, 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 no. I, I, I like where it ended. And to me, what I, I think where I stopped uh, was when they just exploded the clone tubes. I was like, good job. There's no mystery anymore. They're gone. They're dead. Uh, yep. And I like that. Yep. Yeah, so I stuck. It, I think I stopped there. I I did really like putting a putting a button on on that that part of the story uh, and the part of the story that you know, hey, motivated Din and Grogu coming together at all. Kind of a big part of the story. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. There's this. There's solution. Right. It's solution. Mm-hmm. I just said up top. I was satisfied. It was like there was that. Like there's the reveal. There's a little bit of Ray going to the dark side mirror cave. Right. Like, ooh, who's going to be in there? Is it Andy Circus? No, oh. Oh. No. It's. It's. It's Gideon. Oh. Yeah. Of course. Yes. Makes a lot of sense. And then it's like. Uh, not, not one of them is not going to crawl out of the rubble with a hand, a clone hand, and like <laughs> you know, Gideon Mark II is alive. No, they're gone. They're gone. Yeah, and I do. Um, I do like the the theory that uh, that Gideon is full of himself. That they were close. I'm like, no, they weren't, dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's talk about tubes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're really good at bulging, scary eyes, mm-hmm. uh, which I like that a lot. Let's talk about the uh, the din of it all. Um, mm-hmm. So we we get uh, a couple things in that that uh, this canon idea that um, that it is a normal part of the creed that you you go from foundling to Mandalorian apprentice, uh, and that you must leave Mandalore and take your apprentice on his journeys just as your teacher did for you. So there was the oh cool um, Dinjarin prequel. Who is mm. his teacher? Like yeah, yeah. a lot of fun canon thoughts there. But then of course there was the the din of it all of the the naming convention and you already brought it up and this is one of those things that like uh sure let's talk about it but i'm sure by the time we finish recording there'll be some definitive answer <laughs> that the entire internet already knows yeah 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 I, I yeah i wonder about it it's uh it's just not the way i would go with it so yeah there you go would you would you have expected grogu jarin i would have expected grogu jarin you know but at, at one point in 1978 i would have thought it would have been uh, darth jarin versus uh, din skywalker so um yeah uh, i was a little, little uh, pleasantly confused by it i guess yeah I, I i was initially like oh and the way i'm thinking now and i can't wait to uh, finish recording and immediately be corrected by the internet or john favreau uh but the way i'm taking it is maybe din is not din's first name but this is a this is a darth thing that yeah, uh, yeah. din is the title for um a, a mandalorian of creed mm. Mm. okay that it's a title 
I like that. I like a, a, a wandering Mando. <laughs> yeah, or e- either that, or the naming convention is different between mm-hmm. the the different different creeds. Because uh, we do hear hear Vizla as you know a, a name of continuity. Crees appears to be a you know a, a last name in 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 sort of Western tradition, and Vizla seems to be as well. Yeah, but maybe a part of the a part of the creed is no in in. In the older Mandalorian ways, just like in other uh, cultures on the earth, it's the, it's the name that comes first. That is right. the family name. Well, yeah, it just comes down. Is it uh, the armor Sheila or Sheila the armor? We'll find out. <laughs> uh, the is a title, the. The, not, not her first name. <laughs> yeah, why isn't she sharing her name? Oh, there's still so much I want to know there's about the armor. I, I look, I, was, yeah. I, I hope to get more of the armor. I really would love, uh, I was really thinking that there'd be a moment where we'd see uh, the mask come off and, and Emily Swallow uh, would be, uh, you know, there acting and she did so wonderful with the mask on. But yeah, I kind of, yeah. I, I kind of still want that to happen. Mask pops off. It is I, Deborah Vizsla. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I know the, all the Rook cast uh, theories. But, yeah, but, yeah, and the, yeah. Yeah. The Rook cast of it all too. Like, sure. But no. Yeah. Not needed. Yeah. Uh, very fun. I think uh, it's one of those things where I definitely don't want to get over distracted by, oh, it could be a title. It could be a, a, the Mandalorians have a different, this sect of Mandalorians have a different naming convention. Ultimately, we'll find the answer. And ultimately, the meaning is that that their connection has deepened. It's a literal adoption. It's a, a new name. It's a, a new goal of your, your uh, apprentice has to go on his journeys, which that's one of the other things that made me feel like, yeah, this is tying a bow on many parts of the story, but now we're, it's rebirth and we're looking ahead to new stories. And one of the things that was started in this season, but not put a bow on at all is Grogu, not just going in his mind of like, yeah, I was rescued from the Jedi order. And then there were some dark times that I don't think about (laughs) or let other people in my mind see. And now everything's great. But as saying like Grogu to move forward, you got to reckon with your past. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like this, take your apprentice on his journeys, see the galaxy, but also like be tested. Yeah. Go, go back into your past. Uh, remember that when Keller and Beck delivered you to Jar Jar Binks and then died. And that's just my headcanon <laughs> right now. We'll see. <laughs> delivered him to Jar Jar Binks and died. We go, we, let's work all the theories in. Yep. Yep. I'm putting those both up there. Speculate responsibly mm-hmm. about uh, Keller and Beck and Jar Jar Banks, but we'll see. Uh, the mention of Grogu's parents, uh, it felt very straightforward. It felt like this great, um, I don't know, for me, it really felt like the armor was almost like taking Din, like the armor knew the answer and the armor was taking Din through his lessons of like, mm-hmm. y- you know, the other part of the creed to counter the part of the creed that I'm spouting. Are you going to say it? The way she says, yeah. yes, but his parents are far from here if they're even alive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and Din is like, yeah, I know the part of the creed that is the answer to that, and I'm willing to do it. Because to me, she seems, you know, she seems happy and content uh, with this. But how did how do you feel about that? How do you feel about the uh, the mention of Grogu having parents? Are you concerned that that's going to uh, be a real uh, discussion point in the fandom? Of uh, <laughs> well, yep. He is Yoda and Yettle's uh, oh, son. Boy. Oh, boi I hadn't even thought about that. <laughs> oh, I got to mute those words too now. God bless. No, <laughs> oh, man. Everyone stop with that stuff. Yeah, uh, here's the thing. Not to get too grumpy. Um, first time, the first second watching it uh, late last night, like it was like, 
Oh, is that going to be season four? We got to find man Gurgis' parents. Yeah, for two seconds, I thought that. I take it as, and I think you you might be someone in the same ballpark as me, as exactly what you say of, of her. I don't think she knows whose parents are. No one knows whose parents are. The, the Jedi might have some record of it, but no one, you know, no one knows at this point, unless we get some other information later on. I think she's doing exactly what you you said. They like, ah, oh, but come on. His parents are far from here, right? Maybe gone. So what are you going to do? And he gives the answer. And her response was one of my favorite. Uh, this is the way. This is the way, she says. Mm-hmm. And I think that was uh, what was going on there. Yeah. I know. I really agree with that. I think it's a fascinating, interesting conversation. And, and I feel like her saying his parents are far from here if they're even alive is the the standard thing that yeah. she would say in a situation, I don't think it's the armor having some explicit knowledge of how uh, this species is produced. Yeah. Uh, I still uh, have the absurd jokey headcanon that uh, they're not born every 50 <laughs> years. A, a, a new member of this species is, is plopped out of the, ooze flower on the growth tree on Yothon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I kind of want these characters to be even more weird and mystical, and I kind of don't ever uh, want to fully know myself. Yeah. But if that becomes uh, the the quest for Grow Dad and Grow Mom, uh, <laughs> so be it. Uh, I mean, Grow Dad and Grow Mom. I'm good for that. I'm good with that, too. <laughs> uh, also in shocking canon, R5-D4 has rocket legs. Uh, I it, kind of love that. I love that. <laughs> As someone who screamed in like, uh, what was it, 2002 we learned of R2? Mm-hmm. I, was, mm-hmm. I was very much one of those idiots that was like, well, well we've never seen them before. Like, yeah, you can sand in them, jerk. Shut up. Sit down. Watch the movie. And I'm saying that to myself. Uh, I love that R5 is like, that's just kind of standard issue. And mine are operating again. Thanks, Pelly. Yep. Thanks, Belly. Yeah, that's what I thought. And it just, it, it was like, oh, oh, how far we've come. If mm-hmm. this had to come out in 2005, that would have been, oh, there'd have been angry car videos about R5D4's rocket legs. Mm-hmm. Uh, final thing for me that I picked uh, uh, up with Canon is that, uh, hey, you know, does does anybody in Carson Tava's uh, uh, Delphi unit, uh, besides uh, our, our Lasat friend, Zeb, does anybody, does anybody do anything but drink? They got a lot of time for drinking. The director gang is back in the bar. Look, you know, they're, you know, oh, you got Gideon before us. Yeah, you're all here playing snooker and drinking. <laughs> and, and, and I, you know, uh, uh, had the headphones on for the third viewing. Filoni's in the background. Trapper Wolf says Plo Koon at one point. You also wow. didn't listen. He, he's rambling about something. It's, it's almost like they went, Dave, just talk about Star Wars. And he starts just talking about jet. You hear something behind it. And very clearly he says Plo Koon at one point. So Dave, we heard you. <laughs> so yeah, they're all busy doing that. Uh, spit shine in their Y wings. So uh, I uh, did and Grogu are doing the work there. Ah, uh, you just beat me to it. And like uh, we're, we're joking. It's it, to me. It's just it's it's narrative. Uh, you know, yeah. convenience and and yeah. all that. They just got back from another mission. Mm-hmm. I, I get it. Mm-hmm. I get it. That's fine. I love. I did not pick up on the uh, Trevor Wolf talking about. You need platoon. headphones. Yep. You need headphones, but it's there. Yeah, well, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna do some like audio detective work. I want to hear that because now I want it to be that in universe, Trapper Trapper Wolf is a Jedi nerd who has <laughs> learned about the Jedi of the past, and he's like, oh yeah, no, Plo Koon is the one who discovered that that lady that you hear talking about Ahsoka sometimes. 
Pretty oh, cool. Pretty cool. It's, it's perfect because he's like, they're like, who's Zeb always talking about? So, well, okay. So, so Soka was, let me tell you. And, and yeah, yeah, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> he's just like, yeah, he's, he's like, now we don't know. He's a uh, Mace Windu's body was never found. <laughs> he's a <laughs> Mace Windu truther. Like, uh, uh, but Kid Fisto definitely died up there. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Locoon. Maybe he survived over Catanomodia. I don't know. Uh, let's talk action and let's see how long it takes. Uh, I thought the action was great. I thought this was an in episode that, uh, like I said at the top, it, there was meaning in the action. Uh, the characters were making choices that made sense for the characters. Uh, the scale, the spectacle of it was awesome. And also for me, it was one of those sort of. Um, replanting the flag that the action isn't something that eh, you, you kind of got to throw some in because it's part of the stew. Mm. It was more like, this is a part of the fun. This is a part of the thrill. This is a, the, a part of the DNA of Star Wars that is, yep, the myth, the family, the ideas, but also yeah, laser swords and jet packs and blasters. And it's just big and bizarre and fun and it, it it is valuable in and of itself how did you feel about the action overall and then we can talk about any specific moments big sweeping epic but also uh small in scale so many times with some of the wonderful fights and and uh it, it, this you know this this series uh, has a lot of like quiet moments for a lone gunslinger going around the galaxy there there is a lot of quieter moments there's is a lot of awkward little comedy beats and everything and i think it's helpful that the show um, explodes out with some uh not violence but action and 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 the thrill of it and the pew 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 of it all but uh, it also it all said so much and and i like you said earlier going back to the end of season one to now it's it's growing a leaps and bounds of what you're capable of doing so i i, I thought there was great tension throughout loved it yeah, and I thought that it was really well executed. The the big sweeping the the ships, the all the commandos in, in the Mandalorians jetpacking, having a <laughs> having a jetpack gang fight. Uh, absolutely great. Uh, and then the the um, I always like when action when you can really see the character in the action. I love seeing uh, Din's style, Din's technique. Uh, it was all real clear from uh, the more one-on-one fisticuffs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, with that in mind, you got some favorite individual action beats? Yeah, I do. I do. Uh, not to, to bore everyone with a long list here, but I I, I want to go to an overall one first. That I, I really want to shine, shine a light on Latif Crowder, who, without a doubt, was probably doing a lot of the heavy lifting for Din in this episode. That's kind of his uh, speciality. And Brendan Wayne uh, does such a good job in other versions of Din. And, and you know, this is a season without Pedro's face. Uh, you know, Mr. Last of Us is out there busy working and getting called a daddy. So uh, it seems like he wasn't on set this time around. Um, I'm okay with that more than I ever was before. I was not okay with that in season one, if you remember my grumpiness. Um, mm-hmm. but I really love the fighting. The opening fight was some of the best stuff. There's some great just kicks and uh, just a lot of stuff going on. And, and I think for the most part, that is Latif Crowder. And, and uh, I, I just, uh, you know, kind of want to thank for that. It was some of my favorite action. Yeah, I, I love that. It was uh, the celebration in Anaheim in 2022 where where they brought them out on stage and Pedro Pascal really said, "Let the three of us are the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. they put them in the credits. So I think it is right that we highlight them and that we celebrate them. And this was clearly uh, a lot of action. There's a, the, the scene where... Uh, 
I think where, where Mando's kind of scouting and trying to find uh, where Gideon is based. And he's got both of the, the stolen blasters up, but one is kind of back. It's, mm. just, it's just cool. Yeah. It's just cool. Yeah. And all his action is cool. So, yeah. 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 Um, some specific moments for me. Uh, this is mostly chronological, but I had to start with my very favorite. This is, to me, the most uh, earth-shattering, lore-changing uh, confirmation in the entire episode is that it's not just Boba Fett who has knee darts or knee rockets. Mm. Mm. <laughs> the the Bo-Katan knee rockets. Mm-hmm. First, she does the cool slide across the, the landing pad to disorient the, the commandos on her back. As if that wasn't cool enough, bam, there come the knee rockets. Oh, I cheered. I love that moment. I love some knee rockets, man. I'm there with you. Yeah, knee rockets. Best ever. A couple other specific moments for me. Uh, I really liked the shot, uh, and maybe some people, maybe I could imagine it not working for people. Fair enough. But I love the shot of the gauntlet fighters growing, going at that great uh, energetic uh, diagonal angle in uh, shooting into the clouds, and then the TIE interceptors passing up through the clouds at that same angle. angle uh, this is just great oh yeah no anytime you can invoke kind of the uh, there's too many of them vibes from 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 jedi I, I, it's, even if it's not direct I, I i love it there's so many great shots of ships flying and and you and i you've said it before there the season one again some of the limitations some of the ships didn't look that great to me in space and that's still sometimes a little bit of a struggle with some of these shows um can you get it to cinematic quality and i think this episode delivered all uh all the time. And a lot of people are love what you and I talked about last week. We've got to see it again, but the, the tie interceptors is bats, the bat brigade. It just worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the whooshing, like, yeah, whooshing was up on the uh, subtitles good. almost the entire episode. Good whooshing. Good whooshing. A lot of whooshing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I got a, a few more moments, but I want to kick it back to you. What do you got? Uh, yeah, I do love the, the Grogu saving his dad was, uh, Wonderful on a lot of levels, wonderful thematically, like we discussed earlier, but just a, a great thing. And I, I'm not tired of yes, no yet. Clearly, I'm not tired of it. I want more of it. Give me more. Give me give me more. I want a, uh, a, a you know, a Grogu in IG-12 with voice sound so I can annoy mm-hmm. uh, my dogs with it, too. Uh, so I just love that scene. And it was a powerful scene. Like, you know, he he, he has uh, his skills uh, and he was desired to save his dad. And, uh, and I loved it. Again, seeing him work together. Yeah, both times that he saves him and says no, no, mm-hmm. no is so so powerful, so great. Uh, and I'm kind of fine that they they smashed up uh, IG12, so you don't have to be looking forward to season 12 of like the the yes no bit is so great and so powerful. And I'm glad that they used a bunch of different iterations of it, permutations yep. of it, and then smash it up. Yep, yep. Move on. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple of things for me that that whole lower the shield video game sequence. Mm-hmm. Uh, if video games were still made the the way they used to be back in the day where they were direct tie ins mm-hmm. <laughs> rather than more world building. And you knew like about a year later, we're going to get the video game where we play through uh, Mandalorian season three. I'd be like, oh, I'm so looking forward to and dreading the lower the shield sequence, oh, yeah. which would be. 10 times as long there'd be eight commandos in every one of those and there'd be like no health re-ups <laughs> you just got to make it through the entire lower the shield yeah. uh, sequence and you'd be proud of yourself but also oh man uh it was yeah it, 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 yeah. it was great there's a, a million little moments in there i could pick but uh my ongoing obsession of uh action being better when people can fall from high places oh, uh, yeah. this is a great episode to it i loved the moment where I love where Din was like, I have two goals. I want to defeat you all and take all of your weapons. 
I love when he throws the knife into the throat uh, and the person falls and he just barely misses grabbing their blaster yes, yes. before the commando falls. Yeah. Beautiful. And they get wonderful tension throughout. Mm-hmm. So I, I love that. Um, mm-hmm. I love the, uh, the jet packing down into the abyss with the almost a West side story, the commandos, <laughs> oh, yeah. the commandos versus the mandos, uh, the sharks and the jets. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in particular, there's that perspective shot, uh, there's a lot of great perspective shots in this, but it's almost like the camera's mounted on the back of the commando. Mm-hmm. And we see from their perspective, the armor comes zooming in, <laughs> hammer smashing down. Yeah. Beautiful there. Yeah, the hammer of the armor is high on a lot of people's lists, and, and it was just great. The sound, satisfying. Because I, um, I think it was last week, she kind of seemed unarmed almost. And I think we were asking her, like, oh, I wonder if she got the hammers on. And so when she goes flying out, I, lo- I love that they, they hold on her. I love that she watches everyone jumps, and you're like, oh, is she going to stay? Nope, she's going. And just to see the hammers at her side, I was like, oh, this is going to be brutal. And it was. And there you go. So I have some, still have some armor questions, but I'm rooting for her and I'm on her side. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, still, yeah, I still have a big asterisk by the armor for myself and like to see more storytelling. But right now I'm uh, choosing to engage with the story I was presented with that she chose to bend and make better choices. And therefore, I'm going to allow myself to enjoy watching her smash imperials with a hammer Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh this is in action but it's also just like a um a shot there's the the shot when the praetorians are advancing on grogu in ig12 and grogu is backing up and just as the door is closing he's trapped in there ig12 is flailing Mm -hmm. (laughs) for just as it's one Mm -hmm. of those shots i always pick up on on shots in star wars where what are the shots i would love if i if it was a different era and there was less Star Wars and I rewatched every bit of new Star Wars as much as I rewatched the original and the prequels and, you know, you can just like obsess on one shot and talk about Mm -hmm. it and then you realize that shot lasts for a half a second, but I'm obsessed with it. A whole lifetime. I've seen it. Yeah, a whole lifetime passes in that one moment and uh, that was one of those shots of like, if, if I had the room in my life to watch this episode 70 times that would be one of the shots i'd be obsessed oh yeah with. It, it, it's, you're coming home from school and you finish your homework so you can watch it again or saturday night mm-hmm. friends. yeah this is this is why entire fandoms uh in our entire lives as fans are built on those kind of little moments and i, I love when you find them now even though it's uh, processed a little different we don't have as much time it's still the same yeah Exactly. I got two more action moments. Do you have any more? Uh, I got the, there's a great Costco Reeves slide and a shot moment. There's a lot of great sliding in this episode. Uh, love that there. I, I do want to highlight Axe's near Holdo maneuver. I thought he uh, for a second was going to maybe go out. Um, I'm glad he survived. I think uh, uh, he's a great performer, by the way. I think he's one of the better actors in the series. Um, and uh, would love to see more of Axe Wolves. And again, as someone who spent a week, well, a little less because I watched the episode closer to this one. Going that that dude's a spy. I'm glad he's not. And again, I'm glad there's a happy ending, and everyone is as as we wanted him to be. Good, and I thought he was wonderful throughout, and I, I love that that entire sequence, including him escaping. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can I can see a version of the story where where Gideon is trying to break the Mandalorians, and he's got someone on the inside to one, yeah. to make them doubt stronger together. Like I can see why why we were interested in that why my people guessed that but i also appreciate that not having that just has this this directness this energy of everybody taking risks everybody being there and i, and I did like mm-hmm. him shooting the window out and, and getting out and living to fight another day and and <laughs> just scream for mandalore a bit later <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. Look, I just think, I just think going back to last week's episode, I think Favreau should have put the title chapter 23, the spies and then parentheses, you know, like the Bible. Uh, and then a lot of the tools. Uh, Despise. Yeah. Uh, hashtag Google it. <laughs> hashtag the book of numbers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I wanted to highlight a couple of the, the Grogu moments and uh, uh, the, the mm. Grogu running is amazing. Uh, flipping, uh, but then needing to defend himself, the, the force pushes, the stopping the blade coming down. The the shot in particular that I absolutely love is toward the end when the uh, one Praetorian is reaching for their weapon and you're just like, uh-uh. Yeah, oh, it's great. <laughs> it just, it's great. Just slides the weapon away. It is like the picture of Jedi defense. Mm-hmm. And honestly, in, in in some ways, the way Grogu and Din works together is sometimes the way I'm like, why didn't, why didn't the Jedi work like that in the Clone Wars more? Like the, uh-huh. in the Clone Wars... The Jedi are leading the troops, which uh, fair enough. The leaders, they're up front. They are deflecting. But there's always been a part of me is like, uh, not to send the clones into in in like fodder, but like just to sit up in a tree and move crap, <laughs> <laughs> and and let the clones clean up because like, oh, I see a tank aiming at them. Nope, I'll move that one to the side. Oh, I see that person, the sniper. Nope, move that out of the way. Uh, yeah. And I love that. That's kind of what Grogu was doing. Of like. I'm just gonna turn uh, these Praetorian guards in into just three clowns, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so that Din can get busy shooting specifically their feet and necks, which I love that he had such an obsession with the uh, feet and necks in his shots. Uh, he did. No, I, what I love about the the Grogu force pushes and pulls on stuff is it was very of uh, much of what he's capable at this time, right? Because I think there's a moment of like, oh. It's, is Grogu going to wreck shop here? Is he going to, no, like that's not where he is. I, so I love his little legs running away, the fear, but he's getting out of it. Like, I, I love that. It, 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 he's so brave in his actions, but his actions are of what, he, what he's capable of right now. So I thought it would play out perfectly. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was great. And final moment for me is also Grogu. Uh, it, it took the second viewing for me to realize he was doing a slide before he did the Gideon force push. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he does the, you can't pick that weapon up to Gideon too. Ah, Grogu, I love you. Uh, all right. Do you have some, any favorite moment of comedy, whimsy, a weirdness, anything like that? I mean, there's just a lot of Grogu reactions. Uh, yes, no, but all, but his, his little feet are all the comedy and whimsy I needed for this episode. Uh, not a lot through the episode. It was focused on other things, but uh, that, that, that stuff really worked for me. Yeah. Mostly Grogu moments for me. The, uh, the excess, Excessive Bakta spray from IG12 uh, to oh, Din's yeah. head. And I'm all right. I'm all right. That was that was very funny. Uh, very in character for Grogu. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked seeing a, a mouse droid actually catch someone and have their siren. Oh yeah, I like the little sirens. Yeah, and, and like, other mouse droids. I like yeah. that R5 when he takes off. He kind of knock, knocks one off the the cliff too. So, <laughs> um. Obviously, Grogu's uh, flip running is is action comedy. There's a caption where it claims he's laughing. <laughs> like, yeah, no, he is. Yeah, yeah, he is. He is. I love that moment. Yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's the the beat when they walk into uh, the the Delphi bar, Delphi bar, where it seems like he's like, okay, I'm I'm a Mandalorian apprentice now. I'm Din mm-hmm. Grogu. I can't be floating around in a pram or walk around in a droid. I just got to walk faster. I yeah. just got to walk faster because he, he is double timing, right? Is, on those little feet. Mm-hmm. 
And like me, running for the appetizers first. So I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, I look forward to seeing you do a force leap uh, the next time you're at Sizzler. Uh, it's going to happen. All right. Is there anything that we haven't touched on that you wanted to? I think we put it all there. I mean, we'll have time to kind of process the entire season. I, I actually can't wait to rewatch this one. I think you're right. You'll never see things the same way again. I think a lot of things will become more clear. I I will kind of die on the hill that this was a tremendously focused season that, that said, here's what we're trying to accomplish. Here's what we're about, and we're going to do it. And I think the season in the end uh, uh, nailed that. Um, doesn't mean everything is perfect along the way. Doesn't mean I want don't want more armor conversations or I have some tough questions for the armor. Uh, doesn't mean that, but I, I think um, when 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 the the endings happen and the final fade out with that little spot happened, I I I I, I sighed a relief of peace for them as well, and therefore it kind of worked for me. Yeah, yeah. I really agree with you. I think this uh, this season was extremely focused in its ideas. I think it, it raised questions like we talked about of change of, uh, what is a Mandalore? What is home? What is the value of home about uh, cultural appropriation? Don't mean that as a joke at all. That is, that's what Gideon has been doing for the last three seasons. And mm -hmm. it, it, uh, the story of rebirth in attempted rebirth and being pulled back from it across the galaxy. Those themes are going to continue. I understand for some people, uh, it might not feel as focused narrative because we spend a, a whole time, a, a whole episode on, on Coruscant uh, with mm -hmm. the new Republic that there are episodes where it feels like, okay, this whole season is going to be about a din trying to take a bath. Wait, no, now it's about Bo-Katan trying to be a leader. And like, mm -hmm. I, I understand for some people that they might feel like the plot uh, was not as is linear and as direct and clear, but I feel like the, it's telling a bigger story is telling an ensemble story. The ideas I agree with you are super tight, mm -hmm. crystal clear. And in retrospect, I think if you go back and watch this season and, and watch it with the big question of can the Mandalorians come together and watch the building blocks of what happens to make the armor change? What happens to make Bo-Katan change? Uh, how often is Din the catalyst of those things, as you pointed out, and I've seen people on social media point out, I think this is a season that may not ever be people's favorite, but I think it will reward uh, being rewatched. Yeah, I think for me, there's a, there's continued growth in all the characters. That's what you want. But there's a steadfast nature to Din in this season that I think I appreciate mm -hmm. as, it, as it went on. And and you're right, he's at the center of a of a lot of emotional uh, emotional things, theme theme wise, all that kind of. Uh, stuff that goes beyond the plot, like you said. So there you go. The debates, I'm sure, will rage on. Exactly. And and I do think it is um, powerful to note this is the first season with no Pedro Pascal face, right? Yeah. Uh, and and you, can, you can go, I think there's a lot of interesting things to talk about. We're not going to have a big conversation now because we, we have shattered the two-hour mark. Mm. Uh, th that could be about... Pedro Pascal's well-deserved success. Mm -hmm. uh, there's interesting conversations to be had there about did, did the did the first two seasons feel like this is a path toward him taking the helmet off and leaving it off because that's where true connection lies. Mm -hmm. But I agree with you. I feel like the story of this season is that he is steadfast. He knows what the way means to him mm -hmm. and he believes in it and this is a part of it and he is choosing that path and he's steadfast all he wants is to 
keep his child safe, to train his child, to bring Mandalorians back together, to have them have a home. That's what he wants. That's what he fights for. That's what he gets. It is a it is a steadfast season for the character. And there are, I think, really interesting questions to raise about the helmet that are both real world uh, with Pedro Pascal and also deeply in the story of Star Wars of what does that helmet mean? And I look forward to having uh, more of those conversations. Mm-hmm. More conversations indeed. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Final thing I'll say for me, I, I really did enjoy the season. I think there are some moments where oh, if you, if you get too caught up in hoping for a specific thing to happen, it might distract you from what's really there is always, I'm totally fine with it. If, if people just, it doesn't work for them. They don't enjoy what's there. And I will say for myself, I do think the show has, laid some really interesting things on the table, particularly with the armor uh, and what the entirety of the creed is, how it relates to the Death Watch. Great, we got the information that they're a splinter group, but what of their beliefs do they share? Uh, how does Din feel about the fact that he a lot of the galaxy was hidden from him? Mm-hmm. All those things are interesting, and, and I understand if people uh, were expecting those things to be more dealt with, frustrated by them i am uh, choosing to be hopeful that they will be dealt with in the future and want to enjoy the story that is being told and in terms of the things that are being put on the table for new republic i got no issue with that because we got a lot of storytelling coming from this era and that's going to be part of it yeah no i think there's still some answers i need for the new republic stuff and and clearly we are now in this new era and, and heading towards more and i'm excited to get yeah, and seeing Mon Mothma in, in in that whole council in the trailer for Ahsoka mm-hmm. feels like Ahsoka is going to be going to the head of the New Republic, not not yeah, <laughs> not Tuttle. I, I like Timothy Meadows, but not stressed Tuttle mm-hmm. uh, or or people in the in the data pit uh, centers of Coruscant. But yes. I think we might get a little bit more of that perspective that a lot of us are hungering for of what is keeping them so busy. Why why isn't Mothma all over this? I think there's a chance that we'll get more of that in Ahsoka. Absolutely. And hopeful about that, too. Yeah. Any predictions or hopes for the next season of The Mandalorian? It is already written, according to interviews with Favreau himself. Yeah, look, I think uh, I'm intrigued by these adventures and where they could take them and who that could uh, put them in front of, uh, Din and and, and Grogu. And like you said, it's not going to go smooth, not going to go easy. And I still think there's a lot of those revelations to come. And I'm just open to it. I'm open to it. I'm excited that they got to end this chapter of the story. And be and be clear about it, and, mm-hmm. and and say we're now we're ready for something different. And again, like I said up top, the the show as well as the characters slowly became more aware and plugged in with the larger state of the galaxy and larger state of the storytelling this era. So now we're there. We get to explore that with them. Hmm. I'm so excited for it. I I love how much of a wonderful resolution this feels like of this chapter of storytelling. But like I said, I think it's looking forward to a lot of great questions is, is chapter four going to have a little bit more of that uh, season one, season two episode of the week. Din is offered a job. Does he want it or not? How, how uh, it, that that's a question of honor, how tied to the overall world building of the new Republic era. Will it be, uh, do we follow the trials of a resurgent, Mandalore. Uh, it, it, is there a literal reemergence of the the mythosaur, or is the the prophecy fulfilled? And that's it. Definitely a lot on the table for Grogu's development, uh, facing his past trauma, seeing more of Kelleran Beck. All these interesting ideas are there. And final thing for me, I'm I'm really interested in this idea that Din and 
Carson Teva can go like, we did it. We stopped that Imperial remnant and go, oh, that's great. They have every reason to believe they stopped that. Uh, and maybe there'll be more out there, but they don't have a sense of the true scale. Yeah, they weren't at that meeting. They don't know that there's more. <laughs> they, don't know. <laughs> they didn't see the shy, the spy, the shadow council. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm excited uh, for the future in really a lot of ways. Yeah. So final thing is always, what action figure or merch would you want inspired by this episode, Ken? You know, I don't collect Funkos much anymore, but I do want a Grogu Din Bo-Katan Fire Bubble Funko Pop action scene. <laughs> It'll go nice. I, I always mention every now and then I have the, the Daenerys Targaryen Jorah uh, Mormont final stand in episode uh, um, three, uh, I think it's three mm. of, of, of season eight. So um, uh, Jorah's last stand and there's flames on it. So I'd love to put that one right next to Oh, get get the them Funko Pop engines a turning. We're gonna make that, make that. Yeah. Uh, I I want an energy shield playset. I just love how much that's a set piece. Yeah, of, yeah. Uh, it comes with the well. They're making an R five D four with the Mandalorian, but it could come with the you know some of those commandos. Uh, come with oh exclusive din uh, with a white jetpack that he uh -huh. stole from the commando. There, that's the exclusive din that I'll uh, pay twenty dollars for. That's gonna come with this energy shield playset uh final thing for me is it would be fun to have some like a uh, target practice like a laser tag kind of set where you get to be din jarin but your goal is to just shoot people in the feet which right. he does constantly <laughs> love that din's got a foot fetish oh, he, yeah. is, is he on like foot websites no he, he really loves shooting imperials in yeah. the foot he's, he's yeah. got a thing for it love that love that be great <laughs> That's his quest next season. Uh, I'm looking for some Imperials. I'm going to shoot their feet. I'm Dinjar. <laughs> all right. Ken, where can people find us? Hey, thanks for listening to all of our Mando reports this season, especially those who uh, hopped on the Force Center train. You can find us uh, at uh, the Force Center, uh, Force Center Pod on Twitter. Where are we? Uh, Instagram, uh, YouTube. We're on Hive Social still if you're over there. Uh, not super active, but we're there. You can support us there. Uh, also, of course, on YouTube, subscribe over there to get other shows like Figure Fights, some shorts, live Q&As, common. All that's there. tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center is where you can get merch, including the Force Center Speculate Responsibly shirt, which uh, Joseph the, was pointed out to me this morning by our listener, Mark Knope, uh, is uh, on a, a pirate t-shirt website. So uh, there you go. Don't buy it from them. <laughs> buy it from us. But at least it has our brand name on it. Uh, podcasts are available in a lot of different spots. Just search, you'll find us, and you can support us directly at patreon.com slash Center. We're so close to our next goal of a Jennifer Landa uh, reboot of Jedi Beeps. Uh, so I always keep doing the Jedi Beat and Happy Beeps. I want it to be called Jedi Beeps so much. Um, and that happens because of all of you. Uh, and support me if you want to at Catnapsock or my website, catnapsock.com. Got some comedy coming up April 28th at Flappers in the Who Room. Uh, if you're local, come on out. Joseph, you. Yeah, you can find me on all the social media right now, uh, mostly Instagram, Twitter. I'm going to try to get uh, back to Mastodon, but I'm also on TikTok and YouTube. I've started my not unboxing videos for some of the treasures that I procured uh, in at Star Wars Celebration and all over London, including uh, Luke Skywalker. I got in Nottingham that is very close to my heart. So if you're interested in that, you can find me uh, at Joseph Scrimshaw on all the social media and uh, Joseph Scrimshaw. Just search for that name on YouTube as well. Yes, please do not purchase our t-shirts from Gorian Shards pirate <laughs> sites. <laughs> oh. Buy them directly from TeePublic. Uh, that, that is the Mandalorian thing to do. Honor, loyalty, character, t-shirts. 
that is the way to be a Mandalorian. Thank you all for joining us on this exciting journey. There is so much more to come. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for Din Grogu, Mandalorian Apprentice, this has been The Mandalorian Report. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 